0: Welcome to Let's Let's Talk Talk About About Gay Gay Stuff, Stuff. we're the podcast where we talk about gay stuff and discuss the week in LGBTQ history. What that the song?
1: Kendall's
2: Sleeping.
0: All right, well, we are Thomas. Tony. Kendall. And this week, we're reviewing the week of... April the 26th through May the 2nd, and we'll discuss Lord jo- John Brown, uh, the Lavender Menace, and Jason Collins. Lord John Brown is what we call your underwear. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Did you, did you like my British accent? Yes. I
2: haven't, I heard, haven't heard it yet. Just like him.
0: Lord John <laughs> Brown. That's uh, the spoopy guys. They do uh, accents often. Uh, you sound repress.
1: like Marley Matlin <laughs> 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 the Oscar winning deaf actress. I hope she's not a listener. <laughs> uh,
0: wow we're starting off with a bang we're already offending was listening people. to
2: comedy before this so of we're, course he's trying to be a comedian we're
0: already like f- okay. offending yeah, it's my calling the folks yeah all right um it's not yeah like got, i got nothing um all right so we're getting into it so what happened this week anything exciting any any good reads finds
1: i'm Took my computer to the living room instead of the dining room. Ooh, on Thursday You're traveling. How was your <laughs> well, trip? <laughs> right, it didn't get canceled.
0: I saw one tweet out there or meme that was like, "Oh, where are you going for vacation?" It was like La Chateau Kitchen, uh, bougie bitch, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, the Mansion de bedroom, like those sorts of things. Yeah, you know. So she's a slut. <laughs> she gets around. She gets around. She yeah. gets around. I'd like to know her. <laughs> I'm sure you would. So, uh, yeah, we're still in the uh, midst of uh, the quarantine. The thralls, the, the throes of. Uh, and this is still, we're still in it. So, still, hopefully everyone's surviving. Uh, big hugs to folks who are uh, out there listening to us. Um, yeah, we're going to get through this eventually. So, uh, and it'll look different. But all sorts of stuff. I mean, you get all the... Well, day. we were
1: just talking about it right before you press play. You're all throwing it in my face again. Like, just... You're used to people throwing <laughs> it in your face. Then it was my wedding this week, so it was supposed to be. So good thing I didn't give you all those invitations. Well, and I wasn't <laughs> so really I sad. Back.
2: I wasn't really sad. Because you weren't Kendall coming. Kendall had to cancel his wedding. I was sad I couldn't bring my plus one. Well, plus in, one? in all
1: honesty, the wedding's not canceled, but the gifts
2: <laughs>
1: but I can still come. <laughs> yeah, home. you're like, I mean, you can still get us
2: a gift. Cause we, we, we never were got an invitation. Every. We don't Just know where to send delayed. it. We oh, that's a good yeah, point. We don't
0: know where to mm-hmm. send it, so
2: We Sorry. still need do- Every week, Kendall's like, Oh, I forgot your invitations. <laughs> like, Meanwhile, everyone else already RSVP'd. <laughs> right. well, one of
1: those trips where you all drive by my house to
2: see what I'm hey, doing, and you can drop it off.
1: <laughs> Throw toilet wall. paper
0: in the, to- and the uh, uh, can't, not, not toilet you paper, know every yeah, damn tree. Yeah. Huh? I'm
2: like, What are Kendall and Ben doing?
0: Yes. <laughs> 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 They're doing projects like he showed us on Sassy Hour uh, of all the artwork that he's doing. So he gave us a nice and he little tour. stressed
2: out when something needs an extra coat of paint because. Corona has put life in perspective.
0: The Ronas put perspective on Look mm-hmm. at Kendall. All mm-hmm. the insights now. Mm-hmm. Are you? Do you feel like Ellen in your prison? I mean, do you feel like you're in jail? Because you've been in jail, haven't you? <laughs> I don't know. Wait, what does
2: this talk about, Ellen?
0: Well, I don't. Did you, I think I saw you there, right? I was there.
2: Wait, I thought you were in different cells. <laughs> the, the listeners <laughs> no. think
1: we're joking, but and wait, we're did both spend of you a night like, in like I'm jail. gay.
2: I can't go into the general population. On you know, know who the, the honor anniversary.
1: Fellow. Well, the on our anniversary. And you know, who the meanest person to me in jail was? Was my partner of
2: eight years, I think, at the time. So Thomas whoever Lopez. was taking you was like sweet to you, and then you get in there, Thomas was like, you bitch.
0: No, he was being loud and belligerent. He wanted his phone card. Really? Yeah, he was yelling at the police officer, My
2: phone card doesn't work. Well, did it not work? Yeah, but well, there's, there's a way right.
0: to, to yell at the police officer. Yes. To yell! You know how I
2: feel about. Thank police you, officers. customer service. Thank you. Is
1: important in jail. <laughs> yeah.
2: well. And you know how I feel about police
0: officers. All right, well, you're turned on. No. Do you like their nightstick? I don't like them. At you all. want them to handcuff you? I feel they should
2: you? have given Kendall a properly working phone card. I
0: don't. I don't. I mean, we're gonna get off on a tangent here, but this thing about police officers, like, I'm. I mean, I'm willing to engage in the discussion. I I've seen uh, and been on the other end of police. Um, I wouldn't say brutality, but it's just being aggressive, right? I've seen it. I've witnessed it. I've heard about it. Was it aggressive enough for you? Well, they use the handcuffs. Whoa. No, but my point is, like, they're trying. There's a for, But at the same time, they do put their lives out on, like, they every do, day. but I
2: mean, there's a lot of examples. But as small as, like, there have been several times going through, like, your neighborhood. So Kendall lives right by the police station. And... Sometimes, police cars run stop signs, the even though I'm, like, right there on my bike. And I'm like, if I was an F-250, I would have T-boned your fucking police car, and you'd be in the middle of the next block.
1: Right. The yeah. the cops fly all day up and down my street. They do, and yeah. as much as I flash them, I still can't get them to stop.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like there's a br- blue privilege that... Um, a blue privilege Oh, that's a movement Is yes. that a thing? Yeah Like a bowel movement? It, it sounds it's, No, it's, it's like t- Yeah I, I just feel like
0: Well, if you're blue You can they get They do it, put both. their
2: lives on the line I agree But then they feel Because of that They can do anything they want Like run and, and it irritates me When they have These stickers that say Oh, six feet distance It's like Cops practically run me over All the fucking time That's
0: social distancing
2: No, it's for the cyclists <laughs> Yeah but they don't adhere to it. Yeah. They have stickers, but it's like you personally, Mr. Police person. Here's the
0: thing: with there are bad police officers, right? Bad. There are bad, like there are bad employees in any any business, and that's where I I take because if if you if your house gets broken into, if something happens to you, you're going to call the cops, right? And so, when, but twice
2: I had a used to have a security alarm. Twice it went off, and the cops never even really showed up.
0: Okay, but After, still, it, but but you're if something happened to you because you call every the time cop. they showed up, you were.
1: And only wearing stockings and heels on the front porch. I,
0: I don't know that when, and and I know we've talked about how the police officers haven't always been helpful to uh, the LGBT community. In some instances, they've been actually, right. They we've talked about, like, they raid the bars we used to go to. That doesn't happen anymore. I just feel like they, again, if something happens to you, I'm you're going to call floor. the police officer, right? I mean, And people, I don't know if
2: they'll always do the right thing.
0: What do you if you called them, you don't know if they do the right thing? Yeah. I mean, because
2: their personal mo- – I don't know. I feel that like we could go down a rabbit hole. Well, no, no, like no, no, because
0: uh, now I'm interested. Like what is – what like what – He's saying he doesn't trust police officers,
3: right,
1: and I exactly, think that's yeah. perfectly understandable. You can say I and don't, I I don't like initially in trust country, cops, and you can also say it's, not all cops are bad.
2: Right. I, I do feel not all cops are bad, but I feel like there's been so many instances of – cops murdering innocent people and they don't even have to like go to trial because they have a badge yeah well I mean and I, and, and I feel like the system protects them and I feel that's wrong
0: there's definitely some privilege I guess my, my because they do you know they they
2: bear a risk right uh, in trying to defend and protect uh, right. is their approach perfect? but that doesn't give them a blanket like you can do anything you want or shouldn't and it does I feel I yeah I mean I don't know I feel like it has to be such an extreme case for a cop to kill somebody, and him even be investigated, let alone like and that's go wrong. to prison. That's wrong, right? I mean, if it you, is, and if I you,
0: feel it's like the status quo. Anytime there's a, a shot fired, like they should have to, there should be some shots? analysis what? about it. Right. Are we round of shots? This yeah. brought to you by the police department. <laughs> Look, HPD. I'm not
1: getting this involved in this fight because I'm just glad that this week well, Tony I to is not- getting the. Woke liberal backlash <laughs> messages that
0: I normally get. I'm um, hammering for review here. <laughs> no, I. I mean, I again, I, I. I see your point. Like I said, as a as a person, I mean, I'm there are uh, as a person who's a dark-skinned uh, minority. Like I, I get it. I've, like I said, I've I've been on the receiving end of some right, yeah, of the yeah, aggressive yeah. nature of police officers. Are you self-hating and men? not just That's why you commit so much crime and not not just sexually <laughs> Trying to get your but my point is, like, I, I, at the same time, I, and I, I, I know I my mean, my grandmother has been pushed by a police officer, and and, and an aggressive attempt by a police officer Why to do come. You love them? I don't love them. I just because I, she's his grandmother. I, I recognize the position that they're in. Um, they don't. But really- I feel they
2: choose that position, and I feel they take the attitude that's who they're around every day, and it gives this them this superiority complex.
0: If I were in their position, would I take the same view that that is generalized to them? No. I mean what you're describing police that would not be my approach.
2: Right. Like, and I'm sure some like they get into it because they want to make a difference and they are and probably the majority, but I feel the if that is the case, the majority protects protects the minority and, well, and that's, that's the name in, they in get.
0: other countries, right, you see police officers not trying to see what troubles out there. They're actually there to protect. Right. Which is a different scenario than like, let
2: me go find the trouble. It's like, prolapse.
0: Not prolapse. Well, and I would say,
2: okay, during this whole pandemic, I don't know. Um, I ride my bike along the hike and bike trail and there are places where you literally that cruising that certain area of the like park you can literally do nothing that like if you go left by about three feet out there's a sharp the drop off into the bayou and if you go right by three feet there's this massive hill cops will sit there and just patrol and i'm like what the fuck there can't be groups of more than five here like there just can't it's not a park where you can go picnic and I'm just like, find something better to do with your time.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. so where
1: would the groups of five or more men normally hang out? Is what Memorial
2: I'm Park. And that's another thing. <laughs> Bathhouses. With and no
1: hesitation.
2: He said no, that No, because there was this thing a few years ago where, so Memorial Park is this big running trail in Houston. And near there, there's kind of a wooded area. And during and then, the day, like straight, Professional men go there to like on their lunch break. They park and go back in the woods to do stuff. Do what kind of? What stuff and there are things. What stuff, Tony? Sexual stuff. And so there was a big article in the Chronicle so, that like yeah. all these men like were being arrested, and stuff? then people are like, "Okay, there's all this crime in this city, and cops don't even investigate it, but they have time to like do sting operations where they go undercover and like try to entrap people." So if. I were in this park, and there were a group of five men, <laughs> and I was
1: <laughs> in the bush, and I happened to be a butthole. What would happen to me? Well, I don't know.
0: Tony's never hmm. been there. He's no. never been there. Here I was trying to talk up, talk some trash No, about- I'm
1: not going there, because what I found out in the last week to two weeks is that we have a strong Trump voting Republican <laughs> listenership, and I just don't want to be attacked this week, so- you people need to re- blue lives matter. Okay, Boo. so of course and I don't Boo have lives any of the, okay. these
2: aren't my natural thoughts. Kendall's like Tony, you have to take one for the team. <laughs> They're unnatural. Say what thoughts I would sure. say what I would say and I'm like, okay. Nothing natural about it. So here's exactly what Kendall would say about cops. So mm-hmm. that's what I've been talking about.
0: Mm. All right. Here blue I was just trying to talk some smack about Ellen and we all blue lives matter. You're the yeah. one that went there. Uh, I'm all what blue is your lives problem ma- with Ellen? Well, no, I there was a, a lot of people had problems a lot of people had problems with Ellen. Um, about. because she called her she called being in quarantine like being in jail, and so folks were not too happy with that. Who were the
2: folks Who were they supposed? To Did focus? they just think she was uh, not sensitive enough to what it's like to be in jail? Yes,
0: us common people. What was the like, joke? Well, she said something about like I get it, like I, I it's like being in jail.
2: Being in quarantine. Quar- or quarantine's home. like no, being in jail. I remember the joke. Oh, And, I thought it was funny.
1: and she apparently thought it was funny. <laughs> she, she laughed at her it. own joke. What does she say? It's quarantine is a lot like being in jail because I've been wearing my the same clothes for ten days and everyone here is gay. Yep, that's cute. That's funny. Okay,
0: mm. all it's, right. It's, it's homophobic. Cute. It's white privilege. No, I'm kidding. But I, if it's I, offensive I, I to
1: you, it should only be offensive because you don't think it's clever. <laughs> but what is
2: the what is the? I think the offense is if you're in jail, it's like bitch, you living in your Beverly Hills house. Is so not, what?
1: I don't care. I'm not. I don't care where you live. Well, these people do. No, this whole culture of... They're away from their families, kids, for um, years.
2: The same thing is going
1: on right now. People are using it. Because, see, people use things to attack people when they really don't care. Nobody cares what house, unless you're insecure. No one cares what house... Ellen
2: DeGeneres lives in, but well, maybe not the house, but like she has the comforts of her own home, food, everything. And what? The I'm staff. not looking to. She's be having sex every by... night with the person she wants. Not like, look, I used to be a prisoner of felon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, not a felon.
2: It was, and she can call
1: people. I was you didn't in jail even have a phone card, hours. and you freaked out. <laughs> no, but they're doing that for my girl Nancy Pelosi too. She gave an interview on James Corden's show. Um, which is offensive enough to grant an interview to James Corden. But she, she has two karaoke, refrigerators, and she had the nerve to give an interview in front of two refriger- refrigerators. And she opened her um, freezer, and there was <gasps> six quarts of expensive San Francisco Lamborghini ice cream, or whatever they're calling it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and conservatives are acting like, you know, they're, what is it, the Marie Antoinette? let them eat cake quote like they're trying to make a big thing about the fact that
0: who is she over there with her two friends It's not just conservatives though it's 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 a very very progressive and of
1: stupid sad insecure distraction Yeah but
0: it's uber liberals that are way even past Bernie like those folks are getting angry at Ellen at Nancy at Joe Biden like for everything that they're doing I'm like remember when those people back in 2011 and 2012 were like pioneers for the LGBT community because they were fighting for equality, fighting for, uh, you know, gay marriage, same-sex marriage. They were fighting for uh, laws, and they still are, by the way, uh, fighting for laws to end discrimination for employment and housing. But we've forgotten all that because they make a lot of money. And granted, because there's definitely this, this sense, and this is part of the Bernie faction and the Trump faction, which is a... To me, uh, scary is not the right word, but it's an interesting kind of cross-section of these two very polar ends of the... But they have some commonalities. And I think, you know, they're, they're people are coming for the rich, right? And you see the... the and not, none of us are, well... Well, who can are the
1: people? Because it's so s- stupid. Who's coming for Donald Trump? Because there are conservatives that are coming for Nancy. But it's this. They don't it's, care about the... I don't even... Gold-plated like, or brass... Here's, here's the thing. Like
0: and I, and i don't he see like the rich like night. they they need to be protected it's just there's a sense that there's a i don't even know if it it to me it's hard to describe because it's it's i, I you, you validate the feelings and the concerns that people are frustrated with the system and how long it's been it's been in place and not helping people but at the same time it's like every person that's out on YouTube or on Twitter, like you are doing all this for attention so that you can get more likes and more followers and more sponsors so and people. It. And so, I'm, well to some, but you can't ignore it because it's a voice and it's, it's swelling. And so there's something going to come of it. And my only concern is I'm all for people fighting for equality and justice. Like, but let's have it based on some principles. Cause if you don't like, Ellen, just because she said made an off-color, what some people perceived as an off-color comment, sitting in a tw- twenty million dollar mansion. I personally yeah. don't care,
2: but I feel like people like I don't know they go through ups and downs. So I mean, it was, but she'll outlive it. I mean, it's well, I she will, always, she will you but people are
0: so anti-lesbian uh, that
1: I think you even called her Alan DeGeneres.
0: Alan, <laughs> no, I just it, it's not so much the uh, she, her career. Like she'll she'll be fine. I just feel like there's a there's everyone's coming for everyone and it's not, I, I don't feel like.
1: Yeah. It's sad. It's, it's, yeah. it's
0: a different time that I'm, un- I don't I'm even mad.
1: want to, I'm not playing into that game.
0: Yeah. Well, oh, I'm just that saying kind
1: of like, I but don't I, even want to, for me personally, yeah, I don't want to I, talk about it because we attack, I'll put the we in there, especially online with social media. It's so easy to attack mm-hmm. people and trash them. It's like, right. Okay. But you, they were a hero. Six months ago. Oh yeah, short
2: short memory.
1: And that's
0: where I go, like, like all these, and everyone's flawed, but we forget that, right? And so it's just like, well, you're not perfect, so therefore, and then so that to me is concerning. So we're trying to look for this perfect candidate, perfect uh, celebrity, and no one is, and so it creates, and then if you're not, then the masses come for you. Yeah. And I, to me, that's a scary, it's a, it creates a, there's no principles. There's no common understanding of like, okay, we agree that this is right and this is wrong. So it creates this un, instability that I'm not, uh, I mean, I hate when well, people say. Well, I feel say, that's why we're so divided. I mean. But, I, I, well, yes. And and I think, and I don't even know where that, that division though is starting to look unclear. It's not Republican versus Democrat. It's starting to be, and it's always been that clay. Like, Way I guess Rich versus poor Yeah Um And I don't Oh I'm
1: personally Just as annoyed by Extreme liberals As I am Yeah Comedee conservatives Right Because they can take it To the extreme But who's the As a liberal person
0: Yeah But
2: the
1: extreme
0: liberal Uh, I don't know It's just like I said As woke
2: as you are You get offended by For for liberals The letters I
0: get For people being Hate mail The letters I don't like The letters People spend Forever stamps on me I don't like people Uh saying on the news, you hear it all the time, you hear politicians saying, this is the worst time ever. I just feel like it's a very odd time. I'm unfamiliar with this time. Like, I don't know what happens going forward. Yeah,
2: but it's not the worst time ever. No, We're no, not no. in the middle of the Civil War. Well, that's yeah. why I'm always like, it can yeah, get worse.
0: that's why I'm like, there's Civil War. We didn't, like, f- five years ago, we couldn't legally get married. 20 years ago, we couldn't oh, legally have people. sex yeah, 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 for, yeah, for gay people. Yeah. So, I mean, it, this is a better time, but it, to me, it's just like, you like, it's you just minutes. a rough
2: time. I mean, people are going through some yeah. stuff.
1: Well, yeah. look, as you spend your time bashing cops, Tony, and you spend your time Bashing Alan Degenerate. Wow. I'm going to use this for some brevity. positivity <laughs> education. For the,
2: this week's slang bang. Ba-bing, ba-bing, ba-bing. Education. Tell uh,
0: us I think Kendall was just cutting me off, saying, "All right, we've had enough." Kendall's like, serious like, bitch,
2: you've been cutting me off the last several Here weeks. I'm going to cut you
0: off. <laughs> trying to have a legit but. conversation about America, about the decency of I our humanity, about what's but happening in the future, about what we will do. Oh, of course, Kendall so can never it's get a time word in slang
1: bang Thomas. segment, And this week I'm going to do something a little more up to date because I've used in the past, you know, things from my days in the Mid, yeah, welcome RuPaul. Come 2000s. on,
0: welcome to 2020. Uh, well, which was is... first you
1: did the hanky culture, <laughs> which was from the 70s. Kai Kai.
2: Oh, let's have a kai Kai, Tony. What does kai Kai mean? It sounds like a nasty SM thing to me. What is
3: it?
1: <laughs>
2: oh, you really don't know? You don't no. know what a
0: kai Kai is?
1: No,
2: a kai Kai is two drag queens that have sex with each other. Oh, okay, like a kiki, but two t- drag, queens. yeah. 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 So, okay.
1: in their drag full regalia drag regalia like
2: after a drag performs they're like ah so hot let's do it yeah let's do it now but they do it it in drag
1: and it could mean some people that are sexually drag queens that are sexually attracted to the aspect of doing it with another drag Mm -hmm. queen or it could be just like the actual basic like two drag queens in their full get up duct tape and all boo um having those nasty gay relations with each other so that's this that week's are still illegal in slang four bang folks. So all you mothers out there that are trying to identify with your homosexual sons, Kai Kai, two drag queens that have sex with each other.
0: How would a mom use that in a sentence talking to her newly out son? Son, I've been hearing a lot about Kai Kai lately.
2: Or there could be a, are you partaking? And so the answer is going to be. I heard yes, about your Q-tip probably. dream. Are you going to kai kai? Oh. <laughs>
0: Why do you always bring that up?
2: You know what that does does that to that's my like from <laughs> ten episodes ago, and we're still, it's still too recent.
1: So that is this week's gay slang slang bang. Kendall,
2: I mean, I mean, you should be a professor. I learned so much from you. God. Thank you. Kai kai. It, it just it's a fun word, and to me, there's has a Chris ever kai kai? I don't
0: think so. Hmm. Uh, We'll have one just to ask I'm going to ask ask him that that. (laughs) Hey Dixie, you ever done a Kai Kai? Do it at our Sassy Hour Which is
1: every Tuesday Oh look at you,
0: getting good for the promos 6pm Central You tell us, us. they are 6pm Central Time On Facebook Live
1: Yep Where we basically have video chat, happy hour Chit chat about the week There There might be tears, there might Mm. be
0: duct tape Someone's working on a promotion over here
2: Abortions keeping us on track not from the lesbians virtual tours of somebody's amazing art around their house thank you that was
0: good that was good random comment just because (laughs) uh the word baby um does that mean anything to you why is that such a funny word in english language because What um, what do you
2: mean like a loved one or like your baby
0: no like baby people say baby and then they say Oh, it's a baby. Just that's a, you. You always say that. It's word. just a like weird. to a little kid or to a. It's in general, like if you ever watched. Uh, this is a complete random You've aside. Always been obsessed with that word. <laughs> no, I haven't, but I, I I know that people love the word. I was because we were Spence and I have been binging on uh, Schitt's Creek as it's as we now have come off the finale and the you know the Moira Rose the Catherine O'Hara character. She always says "baby," and so
2: to everybody or. Like what's the context? She's
0: just like, "There's a baby," and she's like, "Oh, that's the baby." I don't want to touch the baby, and she's like, "Oh, that's well, my baby." Well, her,
1: her shtick, Moira's shtick, is that she mispronounce or she not mispronounces? Overpronounces. She <laughs> pronounces in her own Moira uh, way, so I don't think it's a baby fascination. No, I mean, but you love babies. But people like, kind of make me like.
0: No, you're the name of the guy, not cops. me.
1: <laughs> as much as you hate cops, I'm like.
0: I don't hate cops, Tony it's does. Probably
1: because you were obsessed with babies.
0: <laughs> that's, <California>. the <laughs> that's the baby. That's the baby. The baby like and then i hear other people say baby and so the baby All right,
1: babies <laughs> let's carry on who's hey, going speaking
0: first? Uh, speaking of your babies Wow, Kendall is trying to get us moving along. These bitches got places to go. Speaking of your, where are you During going? This Quarantine? Qurunt, qurunt, Quarantine. 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 Speaking of babies, how about Quarantine. your your pet babies? Do you want a clean pet with all without you want? Do you want a clean pet without all the hassle of packing Fido up in the car and driving them all over town as a chore that many of us pet owners rarely enjoy doing and really you can't really do these days. Uh, so, what if instead you could have a groomer come straight to you or gaily forward to you? Uh, with Aussie Pet Mobile of River Oaks, you can! Aussie Pet Mobile has spacious, custom-designed mobile units with all the luxuries of the sala- salon. AC, heat, electricity, and water, no hookups needed, and they never, ever use kennel dryers or harsh chemicals during the grooming process. Their vans ensure that your groomer' ability to take care of all your pet's needs, including hair care to paw care, and everything in between. They even offer special services such as deshedding treatments, whitening treatments, hairstyling, dead sea mud baths, dark color enhancement treating, and facials. Their groomers are trained and certified and will pamper your pets with a personal 100% cage-free one-on-one experience, mm. all in the comfort of your driveway. You know what else? And they do that at apartments too, for the record, because Spence and I live at one. And they have taken care of Morky. Uh, you know what else? Pet, mo- pet uh, Aussie Pet Mobile groomers are trained on good social distancing practices. So make your appointment and be sure to ask about our their contact-free pet grooming service. Aussie Pet Mobile. Check them okay, out. Okay, I have
1: a few questions because I did not. You didn't give me a heads up that this was going to be the sponsor. I'm really excited well, because the, I've been cutting is, my dogs. This hair. is the second
0: week.
3: Gosh, yeah. oh,
1: well, last week I was drunk. This week <laughs> I'm just.
0: Oh, you're on it! You're like running! You're kind like educated. EP today. We're gonna have to give you special credits on this uh, well, so show. Well, still listen,
1: because I didn't know. <laughs> they will come to your house. Yes. And cut your dog's hair. Yeah. So I've been doing this for no reason at all.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can call them. They're right over there. They, they're. So they're my five dog's minutes tail
1: wait. looks like a chopstick and for no reason. She could look beautiful. My second glamorous. question is.
0: Aussie Pet Mobile.
1: Spell it because it sounds like you're saying Aussie.
0: Yeah, like Aussie, like Australian. A U S S I
1: E. Oh, okay. A okay, U S S I E. Yeah. what is Pet d- you Mobile. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it was O Z Y because that's what they Aussie, you know,
2: like Aussie Osborne.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Thank
2: you. No. Aussie. Okay. O- no, no I think Aussie. that's a really Aussie good Aussie aussi yeah. Yeah. Pet, it's Pet like, Mobile. It's like we ain't allowed to go
1: anywhere anyway. Might as well. Could they do human bangs?
0: Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. I was You're saying, like, while Morky's in there, can you just give I may me make an appointment for myself. Clip clip. Like, <laughs> you can do Kennedy and me. I won't move around as much as Kennedy will, so yeah, whatever. Uh, I shaved my back last week. Oh, wow. Yeah,
1: I finally found the perfect way to shave it.
0: All right, so ben, can I talk about you know, uh, Jason you know Collins? The, I know. What people
2: want to know about. <laughs> Kendall's yep. giving us grooming technique, and Tom's so like, well, anyways,
0: Jason Collins plays for the NBA. You guys, the guard off the class, You guys know what the NBA is?
2: Yes uh, NAMBLA
0: What does the NBA stand for? NAMBLA Incubacy Talk to me What does NBA stand for?
1: National Basketball Association Okay she does now oh. I know what right. right.
0: right. like, You might be half Oh we know game. Jason Collins All right. Yeah. Do you know Jason Collins? Mm-hmm. You know the story about yeah. Jason Collins He was the first Uh out well, gay man uh, that came out as an active pro athlete of the four major sports: so we uh, football, uh, basketball, um, baseball, and embroidery, soccer, hockey, no. hockey, not soccer. Okay, you got that wrong,
1: but I won't correct
0: you. Embroidery, <laughs> uh, but he was the first uh, again, first man to come out, gay man to come out um, while playing, uh, because there we've talked about yeah. um, uh, Cope, who came out. Uh, afterwards, we talked, right? Copy. Yeah.
1: If it's good, it's yeah. a $15 copay.
0: <laughs> Kendall talked about him a Accessible. while back. Yep. We talked about Michael Sam, who came out yep. after. Um, he played in the NFL, the National Football League. Uh, mm, and he, he came out after Jason. Uh, but he, but it was
2: before up. he was
0: in. National Foot Pick. Yeah, he came right. out before he got drafted. He yeah. did get drafted, but he never played. Jason Collins... Well, I have a question, though, in all honesty.
1: Go. Uh, Your foot picks, how much could they go for? My foot picks?
0: Yeah. The foot... Is that what what she said? So you're going to cut me off when we're talking about real stuff, and you want to talk about (laughs) foot picks.
1: I thought that's a national foot pick league.
0: Do I need to give you the headphones so you can hear? No, Tony has very cute
1: little hamster feet. And lately, there are... Much less yellow than they were. What does that mean? Previously. Okay. Anyway, go on about your story.
0: Were, my feet were never yellow, were they? <laughs> what sort of tanning were you using on your feet? Uh. <laughs> what? <Scrubbing. laughs> I don't do anything to my feet. Does Tony self tan his feet? I don't know. Anyways, yeah. uh, I'd like to talk to you about Jason Collins, if I could, uh, and we can Let's get see. back on track here. Uh, Kendall was doing—he he was doing so well. So Jason Collins, interestingly enough, is a twin. Yeah. Uh, he grew up in Los Angeles. Uh, he grew up uh, with a. Mom and dad who raised him to be very disciplined, but also uh, as well as a very, uh, I won't say religious, but a strong Christian upbringing. Um, and, you know, he grew I'll up with his brother. Heard. They were good. I mean, athletic, uh, good kids. And uh, being twins, there's that connection. Right. Yeah. And he's like, we always had this connection. He's like, but I knew at some point when you hit puberty and start getting interested in girls that he did not share the same connection as his brother. Um, so he was like, "This is interesting, but I don't know what this is. So he continued to straight live a straight life for as, as long as he could live that life. Um, um, but he was often dis- like he didn't have to deal with his sexuality as much because he was he invested a lot, He distracted himself a lot with being an amazing basketball player. Uh, so, I mean, he, in high school, was a f- fantastic athlete. He took his uh, high school to two—he and his brother, because they're twins, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, took his—the um, okay. the high school to two uh, high school state championships. Uh, they went to Stanford together, and they uh, helped— uh, the Stanford basketball team. They, well, he was an all-star there, but they took the basketball team to the Final Four, uh, which is a major accomplishment. Uh, and so they were in the Elite Eight as well. So a big, big, you know, prominence there in terms of their their presence as a uh, as basketball players. Uh, and then he got drafted. And a little uh, local note: he got drafted uh, to the originally as if it was a first-round pick to the Houston Rockets. Get out. Okay. But he didn't play for the Rockets. He quickly got uh, traded to the New Jersey Nets.
1: He he played for the Rockets. No, not those. (laughs) Crotch
0: crotch, Rockets. We'll get there in a bit. Crotch
1: Rocket. Uh, (laughs) Wait, what what does that sound like? Hot pocket. Hot Hot pocket. Yeah, I got it. (laughs) I was like, let me think here.
0: Crotch Rocket. All right, your sponsor. (laughs) Where he spent crotch pocket? (laughs) <laughs> Crush rocket. Crush rocket. He, he, so he spent most of his career in New Jersey, but he did play for six teams. Uh, he played 12 seasons uh, throughout his career, nine playoff Um He beat your record. Teams. You play
1: for two teams.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh, two finals appearance. So dude. he was, he was a, I mean, I would say he was a force to be reckoned with, but he was a, a very uh, – yeah. uh, uh, um, Needed player on the team He was a He was played center oh. So was a big man He was you know uh, Seven feet I oh, Center Just under Well he says He was listed as seven feet He was like I'm six 6'10 uh, 255 Another pounds liar. I'll let you guys think about so that
1: So his grinder probably says 47 inch Penis
3: <laughs>
0: Seven feet So he claims seven feet Well that's what he was When he was trying to go Get drafted He claimed seven feet 6'10 though He's 6'10 So basically, a troll. He doesn't make the cut for you then.
1: (laughs) Hey, baby, if they're cut, they're cut. Uh, two hundred
0: fifty-five pounds. So he was a solid player. He played the center. His role wasn't necessarily to make a lot of points. His role was to play defense. So he would take on the likes of Shaquille O'Neal, uh, Tim Duncan. Like he was battling those guys to try to keep them, you know, out of the center. So those guys would. Well, now that
1: you mentioned Shaquille O'Neal, I learned today, and this is true, y'all know this. That Shaquille is 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 a Muslim word for very handsome man, but then
2: O'Neal is, <laughs> O'Neal Irish, is for, Irish for just just kidding. <laughs> Do you think that's true? Or that was no,
1: just—it's not true, Tony. <laughs> we were watching Celebrity Roast before this. That was a joke.
0: Um, but yeah, so not a—I mean, you don't—you're never going to see him on the league for most points scored. Again, he wasn't a Tim Duncan, he was a Shaquille O'Neal, but his role was to make sure those guys didn't score points. So in one season he had the most fouls uh, of any player all season because he went in there to go foul the guys. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about his basketball career. Um, you know, he grew up this life, like again, a great basketball player, distracted because he was a hard worker. I mean, he was known as the pro's pro. So a great teammate, a great leader. Um, the coaches loved working with him. The teammates loved interacting with him. So he invested a lot of time and energy. He even dated girls, uh, to try to say, oh, you know, I like girls, my brother, this is what we do. Uh, he got engaged to a woman. Uh, he eventually called it off. Um. And so he had this conflict, like he knew something was different about him, but he wasn't really to accept it. And rather than spending time to e- explore that aspect of his personality, he's like, I'm focused on basketball. Um, he also growing up, he had a, uh, a an uncle that was gay. And so he kind of knew that. In we the all back do, of, whether we
1: realize it or not. <laughs> right.
0: Uh, he you knew you have a
1: gay uncle or you are the gay uncle. Okay. I am the gay uncle.
0: And he knew that in the back of his head, like, okay, that's something different. Like he could relate to that but didn't want to
2: embrace it because if he was he accepted by the family or no the gay uncle uh
0: yeah okay Yeah. and he knew though like if he asked questions and it was gonna be like oh yeah are Are you gay gay or yeah so um so yeah so he he kind of went through all this and then a moment hit him like in so it was in 2012 he he went to stanford uh he was a roommate with joe kennedy uh, who was a who Mm. was a congressman hello cutie yeah, so they were roommates and Joe Kennedy was like uh they were just chit chatting and Joe Kennedy was telling him that he went to he had just come off the Pride Parade in uh in Boston and so he's
1: uh, he gives great uh redhead. Joe can <laughs> No, he's good. He's a very he's a redheaded cutie.
0: Yeah. He's straight. Joe Kennedy's straight. Uh, but nonetheless, he went to the, the Pride Parade. He was telling his, he was telling Jason Collins about it. And that's when Jason Collins was like, man, I would love to be like, that's awesome. I'd love to go to a Pride Parade. But he's like, I can't. And one, people yeah. would ask questions. And even if I commented like like a tweet or something like, hey, that's a cool way to go. like People would ask questions. Because in your
2: own mind, the thing is it's like, like you know, being gay when you're in the closet Every little thing, like oh, if I comment on somebody, then they're gonna think this I'm gay. Yeah. A lot of people are probably like, okay, hmm. they wouldn't, you know? I mean, right? But well, it's you're, something you're, you have to think about is your own mind is it. your worst enemy yeah. when you're in the closet. Yeah.
0: So that's going on, and then and then just so a few months later. or I'm in, sorry, I have a question. Go ahead, for you. yeah. Because that's
1: Tony. It sounds like maybe you agree with me. When I was in the closet. Everything that came out of my mouth could potentially out me. Is yeah. the way I thought of it. Thomas is the bisexual of the group. Did you have that same feeling, like in junior high, Hill elementary school, junior high, high school? Were you? I was scared to even talk. Yeah. Oh no, I agree. Because yeah. if I talk, I'm going to be targeted. It's going to be known that. Yep. it It's suppressed a lot of my personality. One hundred percent. Here we. One hundred percent. Here I am yeah. now talking over people on the podcast, but. For you, did that, as a bisexual man who dated, willingly dated girls with all your fingers, did that have the same, like, feeling?
2: What are you talked like, about? Like, did you have the same... Were you paranoid all the time of being outed? Or were you like... Fingers aside. <laughs> That's where I was going. I was like, mm mm-hmm. um,
0: Remember, mom listens to this. Um uh did i feel uh yeah you know he's still guarded i mean that uh you know one of the things that i get to is that he said like he, he when he decided to come out he decided his family was like reluctant for him to come out they're like you're going to get you know uh, harassed people are going to mm-hmm. you know, hate on you prejudice cuz you know his parents grandparents particularly his grandparents grew up in a time of discrimination. They're like, here's all the things that are facing you. He's like, I'd rather come out on my own terms than TMZ catch me doing something. And so, uh, in that regard, I had the same thing when I came out, like you and I were dating and I was like, I got to tell people because it's like, I can keep this aside, a separate, but I mean, at some point he and I got comfortable enough that I'm like, we can go out to a restaurant and not worry about it versus it just being like, Hey, come over. It's 10 o'clock. Uh, and so, um, I was like, if we're going to be out in public, then I'm and like, we were living in Midtown Houston or I, I was, and I'm like, someone's going to see us like, and I didn't want that to be like, what's going on. So, um, so that, so that's in that, in that regard, like Jason Collins decided to come out because I'm yeah. like, I'm going to come out on my own terms. Um, uh, but to your point and uh, to your question about, did I, was I hesitant in what I said? Um, you know, I, I said often things because I, I, I'm not a good liar, Uh, a lot of things tongue-in-cheek. And so folks were like, oh, have you ever done this? Literally, (laughs) Tongue-in-cheeks. Have you ever done this? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'd say that. And then we'd all have a laugh because everyone thought I was kidding. And I was like, well, you know, if they want to consider it a joke, that's cool. But, I mean, I've said this out there. And if anyone wanted to call me on it, I'd probably be. Yeah, that that would have been a conflict because you know it did cross my mind. But usually those jokes would come out after a drink or two, and I'm like, yeah, sure, I've done that before with a guy. Uh, but yeah, I I didn't I didn't stress about it. it wasn't as mm. much of a burden as it sounded like for you yeah. and Kendall or uh, so Spencer. Bisexual people
1: get a lot of um, attack from all sides, from mm-hmm. the gays and the straight people. To the gays such as me, like I would have killed have been bisexual. when I had a default of like, I've well, been with I women, still, yeah, yeah. I still yeah. like women, blah blah blah. Um, but then you have the gays the gays and straight yeah. being like, you're not a, you're not you're really greedy. gay, yeah. You're yeah. greedy or you're you're not really straight. You just don't have the guts to be come out as gay or right. A, yeah, you are gonna okay. I believe you're bi, so that means. I'm with you, but you're going to go towards the other sex. Or, together. I mean,
2: even all that aside, some people, you know, think like, by, well, you just want to have sex a lot, you know? I mean, right. it's horny yeah. fucker. Yeah. Which is, is that a lie? <laughs> like,
1: mm.
0: Mm. <laughs> Uh, like, there's back there. to Jason. <laughs> it was like, back to Jason. Too real. Uh, yeah, so he, he had a couple things going on in his life. So that that happened, the Pride event. Joe Kennedy was like, yeah, I did the proud ally. He had no problem going. And then um, there was uh, – um, he gets traded. So this guy's 34 at the time uh, when he's coming out. So he gets traded from – and he, at this point he's been – he's kind of uh, – a role player he's not the dominant player right Mm, uh and so he he uh got traded from boston to washington dc the washington wizards and he's like okay this is going on in my life again i'm getting like what's really going on it was kind of a self-check like i'm getting transferred again like what do I really value in life? He's his friends are starting uh, and his brother are starting to like develop relationships. With and he was what, family. late twenties, early thirties, early thirties. Yeah. So they're developing, you know, starting to have families mm-hmm. and things like that. And so he's like, I kind of want that. And he knows he's not going to have that for a wo- uh, with a woman. Yeah. Uh. Also later on the Boston bombings happened. the Boston marathon bombings happened in 2013, which is the year he came out. And he was like, I really got to like life is happening, yeah. and either I just sit on the sidelines and wait for all this stuff to pass me by, and I have a lot of regret, or I really embrace who I am and start to live my true self. Um, he's and and so when he's traded too, he goes to DC, right? And the case, uh, what's also happening in 2013 you've got a Supreme Court case about gay marriage, and mm. he's like, he's he wants to like scream, like, yes, this is something that needs to happen, and he's like, I can't because I'm not out. Like, yeah. people will ask questions. And so all these sorts of things are like in his mind. Obama's talking about Stonewall for the first time in his in 2013 when he's in inna- second inauguration. So he's like, it's just scre-. like he's to me. He, he what, what he's saying is like there's all these signs pointing to just come, come out, out already. Yeah. And so he finally decides like, okay, I'm gonna come out. He talked to his 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 aunt, um, his aunt Terry, uh, and he's because he felt most comfortable with her. I think I remember this, yeah. And so he tells his aunt, and she's like. I knew I knew you were gay for years it's like so he was like at the same there's si- always an Anthony. knows. right and so he's like that was such a relief he's like at some yeah. point I was like taking aback but he's like it was such a relief because it's like I could be it was the first time I said it out loud to someone else and I could be who who I you are and she yeah. didn't care
1: and you know what that reminds me of because we have straight listeners which I think when we obviously we have straight listeners but when we started this broadcast and we would get messages um, from straight people. It was like, oh, that's kind of unexpected. But I think this lesson, just as you're telling this, saying this out loud, is that it's important for straight people. You, we look for you to, to be sometimes be that person that says, oh, you're gay. I don't care. And I knew, yes, and it doesn't yeah. matter. Like we need you to step up. It's the whole reason straight gay people are in the closet is because straight people. Yeah. Cause you're afraid you're going to lose
2: everything, your family, every friend, everybody. And so when you come out and your aunt says, yeah, I've known, I don't care. It's a huge relief you become because a hero, if the rest of the world hates you, one person doesn't. Then you next, are a yeah, yeah, superhero
1: yeah. in that person's story coming out story for the rest of their life. Yeah. It's like, Oh, this person was different. Like it's, a, it's, so much of gay people's story is that and i that guess one straight person that's gave me the strength
2: to come out and i'm going to talk a lot about this during my topic but i do feel it is really hard to describe unless you are gay and you've struggled with coming out how tortuous it is when you're in the closet and especially the older you get you know like you're like like you said every single thing you're like if I say hello to that person in the wrong way, are they going to know I'm gay? And it just, it's all you think about. It encompasses your mind. Yeah, it's just... um, So my straight...
1: uh, I'm going to tell her to listen to this. My straight hero was Laurel, who was the first person I ever told, my best friend at the time, and today, um, and forever in a sense, uh, first person I told when I was 15, in the 90s, that I'm gay. And she said... Oh, honey. The reason I told her is because I knew she would love me regardless. And sure enough,
2: she did, and it was nothing, and it gave me strength. Who was yours? Tell me. So actually, um, I kind of have an opposite effect of... So when I was... Younger and growing up, I was just... I was who I was, and everybody always loved me. Like, you know, I was very popular in we grade We all
0: still school. love you, Tony.
2: Very popular in grade school, everything like that. Oh, well, um, And um, That's because he gave him handies under the desk. Right. You know? No, but, like, I, cause I... To the teacher. I never really thought, am I gay or not or whatever, and I just... And then as I was in middle school and high school, I just thought, oh, of course, everybody's stupid, and nobody knows unless you tell them whatever. Maybe they knew. Uh, no, so... Um, when I was in college, my mom's best friend, um, who I loved this lady, she was like, I looked up to her like an aunt. She was just my mom's really good friend. But, um, she, uh, was having a phone conversation with my mom one day and she said something about me being gay. And mom was like, What? And so she's like, Well, will you talk to him? And so she's, so I went over. So mom's like, Hey, you have to go to Judy's to pick up some stuff. I'm like, All right. And so she goes, Look, she goes, um, everybody knows you're gay she goes ever since you were a little kid everybody's known you're gay nobody cares we all love you she goes think about it like everybody in town that you see everybody loves you but i was so paranoid because she's the one that decided to bring up the conversation not me i was so paranoid i remember like after that i just because before that i mean i was naturally you're kind of paranoid or whatever but I guess in the back of my mind, I thought, well, if I don't say I'm gay, like, people, you know, don't officially know or whatever. And when she said, everybody has always known you've been gay, like, your whole life, and it doesn't... And she did. She's like, we all love you, whatever. I was petrified. I remember the next day going to class, I was like... Every single person I looked at, I was like... "How?" Like, I looked at them like, how long have you known I'm, I've been <laughs> yeah. gay? Like, and seriously, I was just, like, paranoid. Yeah. And it really... Zapped my personality for a long, long time. Like it, it took like the fire out of my belly for like a long, long time. So, um, and I'm I'm gonna talk about this also in my topic, but yeah. so I don't wanna.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, Thomas, was there a? I feel no, like I, I know I, who I, it would be. I, I didn't have anyone. No, like, I feel like I know who it would be. Yeah,
0: but I okay. But I didn't. I didn't. Can you, I give you your? <laughs> sure. Tell me who it was. That sweet should've. Gina,
1: who's a listener.
0: Uh, no, I didn't tell. I didn't tell her until afterwards.
1: But in the sense that she was like, "I'm not judgy." I
0: yeah. I mean, I could have. I mean, there's a the person I was gonna tell before was uh, my friend Kim. Uh, and then I just oh, she it didn't out believe you, right? That, uh, well, she didn't. I mean, you were there when I told her. Um.
1: Well, no, you told her, and she said, "I thought you were gonna say you're in love with me." Are oh, you yeah, sure? she did, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there were lots of like the people that were shocked that were like, "Oh my gosh!" And I'm like, "Okay, really?" But anyway, so oh, it was but, exhausting but,
1: every weekend. To be
0: there. <laughs> yeah, for a good four weeks, it was like, "Hey, hey this is I'm my good. boyfriend." I'm like, yeah. by the way yeah. But I didn't have anyone that I told before. I mean, to your point, like, because I knew you were going to say Laurel, but I didn't have anyone that I could be like, "Oh, okay." I was just like, I got to the point where I was like. Either folks are gonna like me. I was confident enough with myself and what yeah. my parents had built and instilled in me that I'm like,
2: my parents. That are gonna... is good, and that's kind of rare in the gay community. I feel.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, it, there was a reason why I did it when I was 27. Well, a couple of reasons. One, I was like Kendall and I had a thing, and and two, it was just like I was secure in where I was, like career wise,
1: family wise. Yes, you handled that aspect well. I will say, as your partner at the time that we met in Houston lived in Houston and your company shipped you to um DC. Virginia DC and you were in the closet at work and oh, yeah. i think you didn't understand how that could impact a relationship and i said you were denying the fact that i exist
0: well years i mean now. we had to, I, and i think something clicked that you. that had can. to evolve right i mean but there was no one else i mean here's the thing i mean from your standpoint you're like you weren't out at work but all of the people i i knew at work the people that i hung out with they all knew I was in a relationship with Kendall. So to me, it wasn't a big, I didn't tell the bosses because I was But like, you
1: literally told me I work in a oil and gas field. Yeah, I, They cannot know. Yeah. That. But I'm not saying that as no, like no, a negative, but, but like let's, let's, down on let, you thing. No, no, I'm saying I was there for a journey that you had to understand. Right. But like all can. the
0: friends that I I would hang out with, that you hung out with, were largely coworkers, right? So they all knew, like people knew, and but there was no one out. So when I came out. I was kind of like one of the first yeah. people in and in having been in that industry, yeah. our department to come out, like to be out and be like, yep, I got. It. And so uh, all my like I said, all my coworkers knew the people that we would go out, the people that would hang out in Texas and in Virginia, uh, they all knew Kendall. And so but I didn't tell the bosses. And so when I told one boss who was like a very influential he took it well. He was like, well, I'd say well, but, I mean, he was like, That's so oh, sad I that didn't. we have
1: to say they took it well.
0: Well, I mean, he didn't. Oh, uh, I, well, I was expecting, because you know he was a very religious guy, so I was expecting him to be like, oh. But he was like, oh, I didn't know that. Well, thank you for sharing that. So, I, But I had to get to that point. But, I mean, all my coworkers knew, Kendall. I mean, that is a fair statement. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm,
1: not, I'm not saying this is like, how dare you not tell. I'm saying, like, it's even when you're we're talking about how easily you told friends and family, easily. Quote easily, you were twenty eight or whatever at the time, twenty seven. That it's still a transition, like yeah, there are different phases. Because it's like, what is this going to do that's with okay. my career? Yeah, like, and the whole a, point is with Jason Collins. Like, we look to celebrities. Gay people look at celebrities like Sean Hayes, for example, Jack, Will and Grace. We all knew he was gay. Hello, he didn't come out of the closet until well after Will and Grace. The initial really. The initial show was over yeah, before we ever knew it was coming back. And gays were... He was even going on being interviewed on Ellen as a street man and that they would ignore that topic. And a lot of the gay websites, gay media magazines would say... Perez
0: Hilton. Yeah,
1: we all know you're gay. How dare you as a gay man? Because it's your responsibility as a gay celebrity to be out so that you can encourage other p- no i completely yeah, disagree it's a with personal that personal journey up. it's yeah like we all have to be responsible to ourselves first before yeah. we can be a leader and i would other say
2: people. like for me even though everybody always knew when my mom's friend brought up the conversation when i wasn't ready it freaked me the fuck out and i think probably prolonged how long it took me to come out yeah I mean, yeah
0: so but to your point i mean there was someone there that was going to accept i mean much like jason collins he yeah. had this this aunt uh he also had his gay uncle mark he told his uh his uncle uh which again to so his name, or- he said he, he cites his uncle as a, a kind of an inspiration in the sense that he had a long time partner and he was like oh i don't have to be a, a heterosexual couple like i don't have to marry a woman i yeah. can marry a man or be with a man long term and this still and make it work right we can yeah. have a similar experience to what a heterosexual couple does um and so he told his aunt terry he told his uh his uncle mark and harry sounds like a woof, can you not hear uncle. uh <laughs> and then and harry's over here and then he told his brother again a twin brother mm-hmm. right uh his brother was surprised and he was like well, he was yeah okay. he was like because i mean we talked about earlier like t- twins they normally <laughs> right feel, but you
2: think it is weird that you can, like, be that close to somebody and not really know them. Yeah, he said know? he
0: was astounded. He was like, I didn't. He totally shocked. That's he crazy. Didn't, didn't, under, didn't get it. Like, it took him a moment to, yeah. like, he's like, he had to go through it. He's like, by dinner time, he was fine. But he was like, it was just, he was like, I had no clue.
2: And especially, you know, it wasn't like... They were twin brothers, but one was like a nerd and one was an athlete. They were both basketball athletes, Mm -hmm. and so they're even that much closer, and they didn't know.
0: And so, you know, Mm -hmm. and Jason Collins says he he treated his brother, they were like 11 minutes apart, treated him as the younger brother. He was like, it was the first time, you know, younger brother was like, I'm going to stick up for you. I'm going to make sure like you do this, and I got your back, and if anyone talks ill about you, I'm coming for them. Um, He told his family, uh, his family, again, was like just – concerned about his safety well-being because of the backlash that could come yep. his way um, but like you said we all love a backlash he was he was doing it he was trying to be proactive about it um, of course he had some hesitation again he was a, a the team player again his team his teammates the coaches that were uh, coached him loved him he was again the pros pro uh, so he struggled with that a little bit because he's like if I come out I'm going to be the first out gay man yeah. in all of these sports, mm-hmm. and
2: you're in sports, right? Yeah. It's also like which is all so machismo, like yeah. Yeah. And so and,
0: and and so he's like, I'm gonna get all these headlines. There's gonna be all these questions about you know, what's yeah. the locker room like? Because you think about it, right? I mean, the yeah. reason you don't want a gay like a gay man, Are they checking me the like, out, yeah. They yeah. be checking out your package, yeah. They're probably gonna be checking out well, your package. He was
1: also cut so the machismo was even. We didn't higher. Say, No one oh, said he I'm was sorry. cutter. <laughs>
0: Like so he probably will be checking you out, but I mean, straight guys, I think check out their other. I mean it's all about like comparison Z like, scale yeah. Well, yeah,
1: absolutely. Tom Brady this week said oh, he was on Howard Stern, Howard Stern was like, so you worked with Gronk, Rob Gronkowski, whatever. you were in a um, locker room with Gronk. did he have a big penis? he was like, oh, he was a great god. He was beautiful. It's bigger and more beautiful than you can ever imagine. They were talking
0: about someone else first. And then they were like, and Gronk. They're like, Gronk must have been like, you know, they were talking about, I think they were talking about a, a black man. And they're like, if, you know, he must have been like, how did you feel? And they're like, oh, and Gronk, he must have had that personality. Sore. And so, uh, yeah. But I mean, so yes, they're checking out. But this is the stupid thing about like the perception of gay people. I remember an uncle telling, uh, um, this like telling my mom this. they were having talks about, uh, gay people like 30 years ago. And he's like, well, I don't want them hitting on me. And my mom's like, what makes you think they want to hit on you? Like, why do you think you're all that, that people want to hit? Because on? Okay.
2: My friends, Dana and Pizzo, mm-hmm. uh, they're artists and, um, a lot like naturally in the art community, there's a lot of gay people. And so, um, Pizzo gets hit on a lot. And so Dana goes, honey, you should take it as a compliment. And he doesn't care. Yeah. He's like, she goes, you should take it as a compliment because gay men are super picky. And if they find you attractive, that means you're good looking. Well, well I, I mean,
0: did. picky is a relative thing. I mean, it depends. I mean, <laughs> well, why you look was, at me? desperate I times was, have been called for desperate measures. But hey, why'd you look at me when you said that? <laughs> I'm, I'm <talking> from <laughs> I was experience. talking
1: to a very <laughs> close friend this week who's a great mom who said her gay guys used to in high school would hit on her son and she'd be like be nice to them and he would be so nice to them about him hitting on him and i said well that's great that your son was nice that he that you know that he didn't beat these guys up hitting on them but is that how we were talk about if females hit on a gay guy you know it would be like well that's true yeah. well sure yeah that sounds great so there's implicit like homophobia even in the sense of what you mean you're queer hitting on me? You know, which is built into all aspects of society. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? I well, I thought I had you. When
0: I thought you were saying what I thought you were saying, it's like it's okay for us, like us gay men to hit on uh, a a straight man, and he'd be like, "Oh, okay, no problem. That's fine. I go with the punches." But if that same man were to hit on a woman, like that would be an issue, right? If someone were oh, hit- I'm
1: actually talking about the opposite. What? if a woman hits on a man? It's a compliment, right? Like the man is like, oh, okay, maybe I can go somewhere. Oh, but if like, a gay you know, man hits. But if a gay man hits on a straight man, it's like, I'm going to beat your mother. True. Take it from here. Yeah.
0: So he uh, he had this like consternation because he was like, this is going to cause a lot of attention. Uh, and then he was like, "There's been too much going on." Again, I talked about all the like, just mm. this convergence of things. I mean, in the back of his mind too, he was wearing the number 98. Um, 98 is the year Matthew Shepard was murdered, and so he w- was re- wearing that number as a symbol, like a remembrance of that. Like as he well. chose Get it? the fuck yeah. out! Yeah, oh, yeah, wow. So That's he awesome. he was just like, "I'm gonna have to come out." So he decided after the season was over, he in 2013 he was gonna come out. So he um he let his family know he let his friends know uh and then he penned this uh letter that was going to be that was published in Sports Illustrated in their May 6 issue uh, but appeared online on April the 29th and he started the the letter with i am a 34 four-year-old nba center i'm black and i'm gay uh and so that was displayed with the photo of him uh at you know so here, there's his his face on the cover of this uh, Sports Illustrated uh, issue with the gay athlete. Uh, it's with the, with the quote, it's included the quote, which he is going to further in his letter. It's like, I wish I wasn't the kid in the classroom raising his hand and saying, I'm different. If I had my way, someone else would have already done this, but nobody has, which is why I'm raising my hand. Um, so he, he knew this was going to be a mile marker in this long LGBT journey and that we're still not through yet. Uh, so he, with that, became the first uh, out gay man in all four major sports leagues in the U.S. Um, and, you know, he did it because he wanted to live his truth. He wanted to start a path so that he could live a life where he met a partner, uh, that he could get be in a relationship and eventually raise a family. Um, the reaction when he came out was, was mostly positive, like mm-hmm. o- overwhelmingly positive. There were some detractors, but most folks were... Um, uh, singing his praises. Obama gave him a. Uh, Obama, who was the president at the time, called him up and they had a private conversation. Uh, he, he got public praise from Bill Clinton. Uh, in 2014, he was named one of the Time's most influential people. He went with uh, he went with uh, uh, Joe Kennedy the next year to the Pride Parade, or in 2013. Later that year, he was in in the Pride Parade. So things were moving. He got a lot of support from uh, the league leaders, so the, the the leaders of the the commissioners of the leagues that were proud of him, that he's carrying this issue forward. Uh, his teammates noted for bravery, even like the big stars of the time. Kobe Bryant said he was proud. Dwayne Wade said he you know appreciated the courage that. Um, that uh, you know, Jason Collins was displaying. Of course, Dwayne Wade now raising a a a trans child or kid. Yeah, so I mean, oh, so he yeah. kind of knew knew all of that. With um, uh,
1: Gabrielle Union, right? Yes.
0: Uh, there was in some of the out uh, athletes, not necessarily basketball. Like Martina Navratilova, uh, said what he was doing was a game changer because again, he was the first active gay man while he to, was yeah. in the sport. Yeah.
1: Well, because there was an NBA player in the past that had. Retired from the ABA and then came out. This was the first active.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there was one uh, one detract. I mean, there was one voice out there who was already kind of talking because this, this conversation about gay athletes was already kind of percolating earlier in 2013. Uh, and sort of, there were some athletes that were like, we need this to happen because remember gay marriage was a big issue that was yep. in the Supreme Court. Obama had campaigned yeah. on it. So you had a couple of athletes saying we're for this.
2: And I remember at the time there was rumor that there's a like a lot of gay NFL players, but they're like, I'm not falling on the sword. Mm-hmm. I'm not coming out. Yeah. Well,
0: I'm sure they did fall well, on the sword. Um, Jason did after he came out. But there was one uh, guy uh notable broadcaster, basketball broadcaster, Chris Broussard. Now he was he's anti-gay, but he's also like he's very Christian. Um he's in Louisiana. But he he didn't he, he doesn't be, he doesn't agree with uh, uh straight couples like getting living together without being married. So it's old like old, old school, school thinking. Yeah. You know
1: what I love when people say I don't believe in homosexuality. Yes. Boo, it exists it come happens. over tonight. 537. I'll show you. Between Um. 537 and 540, and you'll see it.
0: So the thing about Jason Collins is he was a free agent at the end of the season. And so it took a time, like, so he announced yeah. it after the season's over, he was a free agent. No one picked him up right away. So it wasn't until f- late February, uh, almost a year later until he got picked up by a team. Um, his, his first team, the Brooklyn Nets, previously New Jersey Nets, uh, they signed him for a 10 day contract and like all eyes day. were on him. Like, is this going to yeah. like this relationship? Like, is this going to happen? And so they signed him on. I mean, when you sign on in March, you basically have three weeks left of the season. So uh, they signed him on for the rest of the season though. So, and he played games. So he was in effect when he, when he played, he became the first out gay male athlete. So he was the first one to come out as active. And then, you know, unfortunately he didn't get picked up. Um, And then he finally did. And he he played a game. So, but since then, we really haven't had a out gay athlete uh, since then. And Um, they're there. Yeah, Oh of course. Yeah, Home of course, because he was the big four: surgery,
1: uh, NFL,
0: NBA. Yes, <laughs> <Major> <laughs> of course. Such he was such a like a focused person, focused team player. Like, it, the all eyes, all the media eyes, were on him, but nothing happened. It was a non-event. So he kind of got deemed Mr. Irrelevant. He retired just a few months later in 2014. Um, And but I will say when he got signed on, I mean, there was a lot of reception, like positive reception as well. He got an applause. So the first game he played in was an away game uh, in Los Angeles. And he got an applause from the fans there uh, as soon as he stepped on the court. His second game was his first home game back in, in Brooklyn. He got a standing ovation. So people were all excited. Uh, the third game he was at, he played in Denver and he met with Matthew Shepard's family. Wow. Again, he was wearing 98. So he said that was probably one of mm. the most like That's awesome. powerful moments that um, that he's like, I will forever remember that um, his jersey actually became a top selling jersey, the top selling jersey on the NBA uh um, site. So it's just amazing. And then yeah. all those proceeds went to, uh, LGBT, uh, causes and whatnot. So, um, so, but he retired, uh, a few months later, same thing, same processes. When he came out, he sent a letter to or published a letter through sports illustrated. Um, you know, he's a part of it is like my body. I'm 35 years old. When you're in basketball, like when you're 35, oh, like old, yeah. you're old. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so he delivered a public and so he, he did it two ways. He did the, um, the letter that was uh, published in Sports Illustrated, but also did a public announcement, uh, and he he timed it such that uh, Jason Kidd, who uh, well the Milwaukee Bucks were playing the the Brooklyn Nets, and so the significance there is Jason Kidd was the coach for the Milwaukee Bucks, who is and Jason Kidd was a former player or former teammate of Jason Collins, and when Jason came out, he was like uh, he was a strong advocate and supporter of Jason Collins. He was like, hey. Uh, Jason Collins is an amazing person. He, regardless of his sexuality, he's, he's top notch. And so he was like with that, like support, he thinks that he was able to achieve the success that, you know, he was able to, to continue. So unfortunately to this day, we still have no publicly out gay players and in, in any of those four major leagues, um, you know, in, which is, it is striking when you think about it. You know they these athletes, as we noted, they're out, right? So they have this fear of of being outed. They're living with this cloud of like, will I, will will yeah. someone out me, right? Yep. And the other thing is, and th- also they're
1: not coming out because they feel like they're risking their career. It's one of those careers, unfortunately, that because you're in the public eye and because you're. Um, on TV and your, your sports league and you make all this money, you're less likely to be come out, you know, to be able to come out. Yes.
2: And I do feel, um, sports is just so old school. I mean, what was the football player that you talked about? Michael Sam. Yeah. That he, Simpson. that he, and he, what, he got picked up for a bit, but that was it. Right. Yeah. And so he never played. Right. Exactly. And I do feel it's kind of like Colin Kaepernick where it's like, if you're kind of outside the norm, whether just
1: because he kneels, he's not gay.
2: You're homosexual, or you're like, I'm gonna, you know, stand up for like, you know, discrimination against uh, black people. It wrecked. I mean, it wrecked his career essentially. I mean, he never got picked up after that, like Colin Kaepernick and like uh, Michael Sam, and and I mean, yes, Jason Collins is also, um, you know, in Collins. his 30s, but still, it's like. Um, it just raises the question, every time somebody comes out or does, you know, like, you know, kneels, because I'm not standing for the American flag, it ruins, like, their careers ended. They're and taking so, a risk. Yeah, yeah, and so is it their abilities, or is that a factor? And I think it is a factor. It yeah. is definitely
1: well, a factor. I will say that when Jason Collins came out, the it, not only was his career wrecked,
0: but his Rosebud. So, Rosebud. <laughs> the okay. thing about uh, athletes coming out, I would, I would say, is that not only are they living with this fear of like, oh, can I like, am I going to get caught? Like you think about it, like when you win a championship, you see all these these athletes like, I mean, the moment, I mean, I to this day, I'm like, I will never have a job where you win that championship I have job. That's in. No, when you have that championship moment where you're like I mean me and I would say this in corporate world all the time like I did a PowerPoint presentation we got a newsletter out like those aren't exciting like you're not high-fiving and champagne popping that sort of thing so like this uh like so with those celebratory moments where you see these athletes kissing their wives and raising their kids like if you're gay and in the closet you even though you may have a family yeah you can't bring them they can't sit in the family room and
2: if you're an athlete You give up your whole life. I mean, you're not going to make it to the NBA unless your whole life is basketball. Well, Jason Collins gave up his Um, whole life. uh, But, like, even my friend Chris, you know, one time I was visiting him and his family. He lives in Dallas. And um, we were talking about, like, being gay. We're both in oil and gas. And he goes, God, he goes, I could not imagine just every day when I go to work not talking about Jenny. Or, like, being afraid to be like, oh, yeah, you know, Jenny made, like, chicken on Saturday or whatever.
0: Yeah. She died. Yeah, so it's, like, uh, it's it's
2: those sorts of things. Like, yeah, and he goes, I just can't imagine that. And it's like, exactly. That's what being in the, in the closet is. Like, and I
0: know, and I just a quick aside because I love talking about Selena and Pete Buttigieg. I'll talk about Pete Buttigieg in this instance. Pete Long Buttigieg got a, a lot of uh, flack because he was like, oh, you're not a real gay because you only came out of, you lived a straight life until you were 28 or 29. It's just like, there is some real... Str- I mean, we praise Jason Collins. Like, oh, my gosh, you're such a hero, a yeah. pioneer. And the
2: thing is, you don't know what people are dealing with. Like, exactly. everyone has to come out on their own time frame. There is a certain... Like, even if you're living a isn't life... Isn't the whole struggle
1: the fact that it shouldn't be hard? So, if... if Of course, it was hard for Pete Buttigieg. But if it weren't hard, isn't that kind of like what we're all exactly. working towards? Right. So, don't give me that BS yeah. about how I don't trust him because it wasn't hard. Yeah, yet. yeah. So,
0: I'm sure something was hard in Chastain. Um uh, nowadays, uh so fast forward, he's retired, right? Um Pete? he <laughs> No Jason Collins. He's in a relationship with Brunson Green, who is a producer on the help. Uh, so he's a f- famous producer. Brunson's a little older than him, 11 years older. I'm like, who does that? Who dates someone you. that's 11? Ele- oh, what wait. about 20? No, I'm <laughs> kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Me. Um, so, but now, so he's uh, basically kind of, he's on the the circuit of like, at ad- like the speaker circuit. Sure. He advocates for LGBT causes and charities. He's, you when know, anytime you're wanting to have an athlete of like, let's, pre- or uh, yeah, a, a notable athlete talking about, LGBT equality in sports, he's there. Pride nights and in the NBA, Jason Collins is there. So he's kind of on that speaker circuit. He's also designing uh, Pride Talks and hats um, oh, nice. with a group... Uh, uh, that uh, when proceeds of their 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 earnings go to the Point Foundation, which is an LGBTQ youth organization, uh, or youth LGBTQ LGBTQ youth advocacy group, uh, they their design they're aim to harness and develop the academic and leadership potential of LGBTQ LGBTQ youth, and so that's what he does. So, um, so that's how he keeps busy. I think he's he's having, cute. He's him. But Park. you know what?
1: As you were talking, I Googled him to see if he was still cute. He's kind of like, I just think he was tall, cute. You know what I mean? Like once somebody gets above six, eight, you're like, you don't even have to have a face.
0: You're just picturing that big. You're just Mm -hmm. foot tall, massive. uh, He has big feet. He was. I remember when he, after he came out,
2: uh, he was on Oprah. Actually, Oprah interviewed him and, um, He just seemed like a genuine person, and that's why. Getting me hard now. I feel like, uh, you know. And she asked him. She said, "Do you get treated differently?" And he said, "Not really." He said, "My teammates are overall pretty supportive, and like." um,
1: I hate to do this in front of you, as the Oprah expert on the panel. That was not Jason Collins. That was the guy that came out after he that I was talking about earlier. But I had to do it because Oprah's my girl. No it, was, sh- no it wasn't Jason Collins It was the guy He was French Black guy he I, think, no, I think No I think Alright we'll interview go Fact Jason check Collins. a little bit Later I, I'm pretty sure Fact uh, check me boo Because <laughs> I was Oprah like what to say. Is, You mentioned Oprah I am like. lesbian for Oprah blah, blah, blah. Anyways Speaking of lesbians Anyways. To our lesbian listeners And all the lesbian listeners Uncross their legs So that they can hear <laughs> that, What they do they hear With their, their
0: lips I don't understand
1: so, I'm going to talk about. <laughs> Tony is Googling. He's doing instant PolitiFact fact checking right now. So, I'm going to talk about The Lavender Menace, which I didn't know about this before I researched it. It's fascinating yeah. and interesting, and it needs to be a Hulu limited
0: series. When I was putting this topic out there, I was like, oh my gosh. Well, you told me oh. to do
2: a read the Franklin. I
0: did want you to do that.
1: This one's. So much better. I love it. I feel like this should be like
2: yeah. He was on Oprah
0: American History. <laughs> it tells you how well Kendall listens Thank to you. notes. <laughs> Oprah
1: Winfrey <laughs> original show. Excuse me. Or on her own network.
0: That doesn't count. Well, That's, she got he got
2: interviewed by Oprah. Uh, by. You
0: know, we don't talk about Oprah anymore except that she's uh, uh, she's part of the elite like Ellen. Anyways, so wasn't the Oprah show? Speaking of elite,
1: I'm sorry that you all had
0: to hear him be so
1: humiliated like this is for our lesbians and you're stepping on our lesbians literally they love it in heels (laughs) black leather heels so we're talking about the the lavender menace in may 1st 1970 uh 17 lesbians protested in the aisles during the second congress to unite women meeting which was uh, they were protesting the exclusion of lesbian issues from the feminist movement so this is in 1970 this is right after Stonewall so it's right at the peak it's after the peak of the black civil rights movement Stonewall had happened in 1969 which was the peak really of the gay rights movement the feminist movement was already in had already it had been happening for years let's just say that and the lesbians were like look It's our time. It's our moment. Uh, We're being passed by and we're watching everybody struggle with their own rights and demand their own rights. And this is our moment within the feminist movement. So what happened was, um, and and first of all, this was a turning point for the feminist movement. A huge issue, which I did not realize until today in, in doing the research. But it took place at the second Congress to Unite Women in New York City, which was supposed to be a uh, weekend of feminist talks and workshops put on by the National Organization for Women, which is now N.O.W. Uh, still an or- organization that's very important, that's still very... It's probably the feminist organization, uh, and even back then in the 70s, it was considered Premier, and they're the ones that put on this uh, weekend workshop So the first Congress to unite women took place the year before, and it had intentionally excluded the daughters of Belitis. We had talked about the daughters Mm -hmm.
2: of Belitis months and months ago on this because if did they feel if they included lesbians in the movement that the movement would be slowed down? Yes, or wouldn't get as many right? Yeah.
1: So the feminist, the premier lesbian or feminist organization, I should say, national organization for women, intentionally excluded. Yeah. In their premier meeting of the year, uh, lesbians, because if you include lesbians and if you give lesbians a voice, it, it sets it back will the whole movie, little your entire movement. Yeah, So it's like, hey, we're talking about women, but not your only straight, not women, women yeah. on, yes, not women on women. So <laughs> what they were doing was literally women. On women. <laughs> the National Organization for Women was getting rid of lesbian voices from within their own mm-hmm. uh, organization. Which is sad because this is a feminist. To be a feminist in the 60s and 70s is radical, brave, thinking outside the norm, uh, fighting for something that's different and unique. It took guts to do this. But at the ta- same time, you're saying... At the taint time, hey, is that what you just at said? The taint time, <laughs> that's for the gays. At the same time, you're
2: saying, except for lesbians. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've talked about this before. Like, same with the gay rights movement, right? As long as it's for, like, you know, gay white males, fine. Oh, but, absolutely. They excluded everybody else. Oh, yeah. and we'll
1: talk about that because the the feminist movement in the 60s and 70s was completely a white woman's... Probably extra, an affluent white... Straight, white probably probably straight, an affluent white... Mo- yes, yeah. absolutely, movement. Middle class, at least. Mm-hmm. So, in 1970, Betty Friedan... Do you know who that is? Okay, so Betty Friedan. Do you know Betty Thomas? Friedan?
0: Do you say Friedan? Friedan? You I are, say Friedan because in you were, the you were enunciating these words organization.
1: No, it's Betty Friedan. Okay, but do you know who I'm talking about?
0: Yeah, I know who you're talking about. So
1: Betty Friedan as Thomas likes to say. No, he's. A, I hear it afraid. in the doc. He might be right, but in the documentaries I listen to, it's Betty Friedan. Okay, I'm good. Who is with that. the? We talk about Gloria Steinem. Do you know who that is, Tommy? Mm-hmm. I think we talked about this last week. Yeah. Gloria Steinem is a living legend to this day. She was the woman that put women's issues on the map. Uh, she's like the modern day Susan B. Anthony. That's not like a inflated right. description. Yeah, no, she's the one it's who wrote really the feminine true, mystique, yeah. right? And she's yeah. still no, she didn't write the feminine mystique. Um
3: Okay,
0: I'm wrong.
1: But Betty Friedan, I think it was Betty Friedan. Google it, please yeah. our fact checkers are on this. One of us may be our own fact checkers. But <laughs> Betty Friedan uh, really started the modern-day feminist movement. She was the face of it. And she was such
0: oh, – was she? Yeah, she was the Feminine Mystique. Oh, Gloria Steinem did? No, Betty Friedan. Be- Betty oh, Friedan. I thought you were saying Gloria Steinem. No, Betty Friedan.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Glo- yeah. Betty Friedan, Friedan, whatever. Friedan. Uh, yes, she – Pronounce. <laughs> she kicked off this entire modern-day feminist movement, and Gloria Steinem comes after Betty Friedan. So she pronounces it. But uh, uh, the whole sense of women deserve more. Women are not just housewives. Women should have rights to uh, be able to even take care of their own finances and have a job if they want to. It shouldn't be. Implied and expected that they have to be in the household. That all
2: started with Betty Friedan.
0: And they could enjoy sex. Women could enjoy sex. Like that was a
2: thing. It was yes, just like that was a difference. Versus just you have to yeah. submit to have babies. Yeah. yeah. Like
0: and you have to. Yeah, yeah. To well, have we're sex, getting off topic, enjoy but, sex, but
1: that's sex for women for hundred thousands of years was. You are just an orifice for me to plant my right extent, seed yeah. into yeah. your eggs to have babies. Okay,
0: so mom, stop listening for like two minutes. But I had this revelation the other day, like um, where I was like, I remember maybe just because I've had interaction with my <laughs> ex girlfriend from college recently, and I'm like, oh my gosh, poor girl. Like I like I I just assumed it was like. Once I'm done, then she's done. And therefore, we, it was a mutual thing. And I'm like, I mean, I. I feel that's the plague of like 90% of uh, straight women, probably. We we, we eventually evolved, and I realized that. But I mean, for the first few times, it was just kind of like. No, well, I mean, yeah, we did have a conversation about it, uh, but I was like, well, it was my prompting because I'm like, I had taken like 18 sexuality classes You're in like, college, and I'm like, you am satisfied? Like, She's like, this no. is a two way thing. Like, am I doing so? Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a definitely like, and then I'm like, I was having this rep, like, all, all of a sudden, I had this panic. <laughs> like earlier this week, I was like, what a fucking awful person I was. It was like, I because in. It, you grow up and you're only you don't have conversations about women getting right. off, especially yeah. twenty years. I think maybe I hope my because nephew because we're such a male centric society. Right. in well, every
1: I, single country on this earth.
0: And I hope my nephew, like as he is going, my oldest nephew, like maybe I don't want to think about him having sex, but I'm like I'm hoping that he is having woke enough like, that it's like uh, oh we got to make sure this is a two. Because I didn't have that. It was just yeah. like I you your feel most men and, and your frame yeah. and your frame of reference was porn and. The way porn works is like, she's screaming, she's screaming, she's screaming. But not only that,
2: I, I feel even in the gay world, like some people are very selfish, and then when they... Yeah, oh no, I know it's way worse than the straight world, but...
1: Well, it's a different
2: question, though, because in the gay world, it's two men. And you know right. when... I, I mean, I, you know, exactly. And even when you know, it's people are selfish. So but, when you don't know, yeah. I
0: could see how it's like... Well, and here's what I maintain about the... the Benefits of gay sex versus straight sex, like I always know when the other person is pleasure, right? right? You don't know that, right? With exactly. woman necessarily. Yeah, yeah. So she can fake and it, and a
2: lot of men probably don't even care. Well, exactly. Like straight, yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, because well, you that's just the whole point because yeah. there's this assumption that you, when you get off, she gets. I mean, because that's how you you you're, you learn. You don't have honest conversations about sex, so you learn it through porn, uh, unfortunately, or through your bros telling it. Telling you about it And so you're like Well yeah I got off You never feel like Whether she got off I mean Exactly I remember having like Like very uh, Well men are very insecure Shallow all, Yeah so Shallow yeah. conversations With my buddies about. I'm like You know you have to get When I realize that I'm like You know you have to Get her yeah. off too Like oh, whatever I, I get mine And so that was Get it. her <laughs> off of you When you come Yeah exactly <laughs> That's it Sorry Sorry Go ahead
1: No it's important To hear the bisexuals
0: uh, The bisexuals <laughs> Standpoint,
1: But the whole reason we're talking about Betty Friedan Is because she was the feminist Of the feminist movement And She was the co-founder Of the National Organization for Women Who put on these Congresses Congress to Unite Women And the first Congress to Unite Women uh, Took place in 1969 Which was the year The gay civil rights movement Kicked off mm. Because yep. of Stonewall Stonewall, yeah. Stonewall. So, but in 1969, they intentionally, because of Betty, intentionally excluded the Daughters of Belitis, which was, we talked about on a different podcast, the lesbian civil rights organization that had been founded, I think, I'm I'm going by memory, but I think it was as far back as 1954 or 58. Um, It had been around a while. Yep. And back then it was founded just to have the, it was a social event. Like, please just let us have a, a, club to allow us to be in the same room with each other because it was a crime before. But Betty's uh, thought was that we can't have the daughters of belitis be in our feminist movement because it gives us a bad image. Yeah. It makes us look like man haters and so strongly. Or if you're
2: fighting for rights of all those people, some people that are like, well, I'll give women rights, but I'm not going to give lesbians rights.
1: Well, Betty Friedan was a, a, a white straight woman, so she was looking out for white straight woman uh, civil rights. Yep. It was really the issue. So in 1970, she wrote a article in the New York Times magazine, which still exists today, a very reputable magazine, uh, where she wrote that she called the lesbians in the feminist movement the lavender menace. Lavender has always been a term. To mean gay people. Yep. So the Lavender, we've talked about the Lavender Scare in previous episodes where it meant like, oh my God, gays are taking over the government. How Let's ridiculous Fire all the event. gay people yes. in the government, yeah. So the Lavender Scare took place in the 1950s when there were so many gays in government that you had to make it illegal in the State Department to hire gays because they were so uh, susceptible to blackmailing. So, lavender was, has been a term for decades and decades to mean gay people, and she wrote about the lavender menace and said that the organization, uh, the national organization of women and the entire feminist movement was sullied by the lesbians within the movement because it said it made them look less respectable. She called them disruptive. She called them disruptive, and she said, it's giving us, it's perpetuating the image of f- feminists as man-haters. Which is still an image to this day that yeah. uh Oh bra exists burning, about yeah. if you if you call if, someone a feminist, the image that comes to mind If you is want to vote you're burning your bra you hate hairy, armpitted... Yes. What's <laughs> like they hate men? It's like no lesbian.
0: lesbians love women. They don't necessarily hate men. Maybe they hate some men, but I mean right? I mean that right. aspect lesbianism is the woman. man, exactly.
1: So, That's in 1970, a huge part of the feminist movement was lesbians. A disproportionate amount to the, the amount of lesbians in our society uh, were in the feminist movement. And the editor of the NOW newsletter was a lesbian, Rita Mae Brown. And she was fired in 1970. Get rid of her. You had to get rid of the most prominent lesbian within the feminist movement as a way to get rid of the lesbian voice. Literal editor of the newsletter. Yep. Um, And that really pissed off the lesbians. A lesbian without no mouth.
0: Like, what does that do? I mean, what's she got left? Straight man, now. She got her Might as well just
1: be a poking penis head. Small. (laughs) So many of these. uh, Inappropriate. This is why we have no lesbian listeners. So the fact that Betty Friedan called people, called the lesbians part of a lavender menace, and the fact that. Rita Mae Brown was fired as the editor, emboldened these lesbians. It's kind of like, oh, you're trying to get rid of us. You're yeah. really, what you're really doing is is making us activists against yeah, well, yeah. the feminist movement. You know, it's making us more emboldened to say, uh, 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 we will take over your movement. Yeah. By your actions that you're doing, and many of the lesbians had been a part of the Gay Liberation Front, which was the Gay activist group at that time. Uh, it was a lesbian and gay activist group in the '60s, specifically that fought for gay rights um, as a united front. But the lesbians felt like at the time, we don't belong in the gay liberation front because this is a this is a civil rights organization for gay men. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, lesbians and gays, gay men, I should say. It's always been an uneasy alliance. Like we're both fighting for the rights to be with same-sex people, but relationships. But beyond that, but especially what at do the time, in like,
2: but and especially at the time, like the gay movement did not want lesbians.
1: No, and that was the thing. So within the gay liberation front, the lesbians felt I'm not welcome within gay organizations right. that are controlled by because it's gay always men, a patriarchal gay men, yeah. society. Uh, I'm not being welcome in gay groups because gay men, gay white right. men, control it.
0: Oh, wait. Mom, you can start listening again. And I'm
1: not being welcome in the feminist movement because they don't want lesbians here either. And they were pissed. And they're like, no. We, we're, we're going to call out the people that are telling us we're not welcome here yeah, anymore. Yeah, screw you. Yeah. So, they started organizing behind the scenes. And Uh, Behind the
0: curtains?
1: (laughs) Behind the beef curtains. So a group of lesbians wrote, they intentionally said, we know the second Congress for Women is going to come up in New York City uh, in a few months. We're going to gather and protest against them. So they wrote a manifesto called the Woman Identified Woman. It's called Woman Identified Woman a 10 paragraph manifesto and it was critical the feminist movement for its heteronormative nature in other words which I think this is very ahead of its time what they were saying was in 1970 you're telling me that as a woman you're a feminist telling me that I am wrong because it's two women being together because a woman is supposed to be with a man And they're kind of like, do you not understand the hypocrisy of a feminist movement who says, who's going against the patriarchy? He's going against, whose whole movement is based upon, you're not going to tell me what a woman is supposed to do. And within the own movement, they're saying a woman is supposed to be with a man. Therefore, lesbians are not
2: welcome here. It's complete You know what's crazy too? So we talked about Gina Leary, and she was like a lesbian fighting for lesbians to be included in the gay movement, but also lesbians to be included in the feminist movement. She did not want trans people included in the gay movement because she goes, it's a man telling a woman what they should be. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's just crazy how like, even can I just do
0: an aside, random political side on all this? There was a, um, Kate Anderson, uh, Kate Anderson Brower. She does. Uh, um, uh, she's, a, she's an author. She wrote um, first ladies yeah. on first ladies. She advocates that Melania is probably one of the greatest feminists out there in terms no, of the first ladies. Because she with that. here's here's her her position. I, I, that hold on, it's in terms of like agree because most of the first ladies are doting sidekicks to their husband. They show up where they're supposed to. They do exactly they they don't speak against. And she, regardless of whether you agree with Melania's positions and Donald Trump's positions, she does not show up. Imagine Michelle Obama not writing to the you know State of the Union address with Barack Obama or Laura Bush or Hillary Clinton. They all did. Hillary Clinton stood by her man while he cheated on her.
2: And here's so I don't know if it was the same person, but I read an article a while back that said basically the same premise. Melania is the most feminist. First lady, because after the impeachment, when Hillary was like, fuck you, I hate your guts. She left the white house, getting in a helicopter, holding hands with Chelsea, who was holding hands with bill. And like, I'll for public purposes, stand by you through this. And Melania has twatted his hand away in public. So she is like swatted his hand away in public. And, Oh, you're supposed to be at this event. And she's like, yeah, I'm like, like, after the whole Stormy Daniels thing, she didn't show up publicly for like a month.
0: There's something
1: to that. No, no, it's not. And let me tell you why that argument doesn't add up. Uh, give it to you us. You cannot say because a woman isn't talking, she's a feminist. And, and, and it's a not that fact. she's not
0: talking. She's re- protesting against like, I have to be this doting
1: wife. No, she's, she's like, not. How you. do you know that? Because she's not going by your what your perceptions of what a woman is what supposed to America's do. America's perceptions So are, No. Of the mean, first lady role. Wait, let me talk. So... The thing is, if you're going to call her the most feminist first lady we've ever had, where is her opinion on anything that has anything to do with gender roles or what a woman is supposed to do? We cannot see what we're doing. She's she's allowed herself to be so mysterious and have no opinion that we are projecting. She's allowed us to project onto her the fact that she's a, a feminist. What a real feminist would do was either to... I don't expect her to leave him, but to either leave him or say, I disagree with this. But the fact that we're looking for her, we're saying, Oh, she didn't say she agrees with it. So she must be a, no, no, no. That's, it's a, it's yes. not so,
0: so much that, I mean, there are ceremonial things that that first lady does that, that role does. And she is let like, said, nope, which you've she's never, not you've yet. never, but ever, I don't ever seen a first lady feminist, not go I to the state of the union. I think that she's a
1: shy, insecure woman who is very insecure about her own English, first but, of all. But she swats but she her was,
0: husband's hand away in public. Like, yeah, when would you ever see another first lady do that? But you could
1: also turn the coin on that and say... She's always there. She never speaks out against them. But she's them. not
0: always there. That's the point. Yes, yeah, she mo- is. That's the point I'm making. Like she does not show up at every event, and that—that's it. I mean, it's a random aside. Yeah. I, we can we'll, we can have a d- different debate on that. At another I know. Time. And the reason
1: I'm saying I disagree is because we what we do is we attribute radical thinking to people who be quieter or quiet versus like saying it's it's okay to say. Maybe she's a feminist.
0: Maybe she's not. I don't want to say she's a feminist. All I'm saying, <laughs> is
2: I would say she's probably not. She's not as much like of out a, like personally identified as a feminist. But I think she is enough of a, an individual that like, if you piss me off, I'm not going to do what I'm supposed she's, to. I'm going to. She's bucky, my that's the feelings. danger of saying
0: she's bucking norms. I'm going the, to just because I think she's like this
2: is my personal feeling. I'm not going to show up to that. Event with you Because I should have to I'm like Fuck you Stormy Daniels Was just in the news Mm -hmm. Yeah So I I don't think She's like a Self-identified feminist By any means Is she she going to be Hanging out with uh, You know I do feel she's not Kind of like Betty Like she's non-political Right I feel uh, She's not like Oh I'm I'm in She lives a life of I'm whatever you want me to be Right, but also she's, you know, in, a, like, situations like that where Stormy Daniels was just in the news, she's like, I'm not going to, like, just bow down to you. Kind of like Betty Ford. I mean, she, like, she was outspoken for her time, right, when she... Uh, mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't mean
1: she's a feminist.
2: No, exactly, but I'm saying, like, she's just not, like, the typical political wife, Melania.
1: Uh, There are none. I mean, you can...
0: Here's was the, Jane the, Adams. Here's the thing, it was just like but I mean was Hillary typical. was also not the typical political but wife. But not of them was like typical. But that's the thing. It's like everyone's like Laura Bush yeah. everyone's like going a off stereotype. stereotype. All right. Let's uh finish. Anyways, so, I mean, anyways. Uh, let's continue with your topic anyway. right there. I'm finished, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Don't
1: get offended what I'm saying is be careful attributing feminist ideals to someone who speaks zero words ever it's like you're you're hoping they're
0: well I mean I guess to your point here's the thing why I interjected with that little aside because you're the the, uh, uh, what I feel like you're describing is this concept that feminism is complicated it's not so much like because you've got Betty Friedan as you pronounce her name and you've got the lavender menace group who are like who are two they're groups that are both feminists right Mm -hmm. but they're approaching it they have different views on what that is Right, and your comment, your comment before I interjected with the Melania thing, was like, "Hey, there are people who, uh, I mean, the lesbians were challenging the traditional feminists, the the free dance of the world, to say it's not about us finding a man eventually. It's living." I think people
1: sp- are selfish to what benefits them the most. Like for any of us here on this podcast to think that gays are um, somehow better because we. Suffered more is inaccurate. We had to invent a word. Well, a black lesbian had to invent a word that should have been apparent apparent to us the entire time, which is intersectionality. Meaning like... Dr. Lord,
0: who we talked about. I'm a black
1: lesbian woman, obviously. And my life is going to be different than you, a white straight woman. Yeah. Who is thinks you're fighting and you are fighting for a really good concept and you're fighting for a great cause but you are so laser focused on your own life as the way you say it and your just cause that you forget that there are other people out here that we all need to be fighting for you know like it's not just about you as a white woman that's really what a lot of this argument was um that the lesbians showed up and were like, nope, not on today, because you're, you're arguing for a straight white woman, period. And they're like, you're excluding us from a movement that we have every right to be involved in. So this was in... So Rita Mae Brown had just been um, the lesbian, out lesbian, by the way, in 1970, fired as editor of Now's Newsletter, Uh, Many now-lesbian members quit in solidarity. Um, In addition to that, Daughters of Belitis had just been denied a chance to speak at the meeting of the feminist movement in the previous meeting. Betty Friedan had just talked about, called lesbians out specifically in the Lavender Menace article, uh, which wound up being a huge mistake on her part. So a bunch of lesbians were like, okay, we're going to organize against them, period. And they made this woman-identified woman manifesto, which was a 10-paragraph manifesto, critical of the feminist movement, their heteronormative nature. So it was a whole diatribe against the white feminist woman's thinking of what a feminist should be. Uh, And their plan of action was to say, we're going to protest at the second Congress for women, this the Second Congress to Unite Women. The Second Congress to Unite Women has explicitly denied any lesbian speakers from speaking. They were trying; it wasn't even a secret. They were trying to get rid of any lesbianism from the feminist yeah. movement. Yeah, um, they said lesbians are making us look bad, and, and they weren't even trying to hide it because you have to remember at the time, pretty much ninety percent of the country, if not world, agreed that. Well, gays, they're not right in the head.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. We were, until 73, a mental disorder.
1: Thank you. Yeah, at the time, the what was it, the American Psychological Association mm-hmm. yeah. said we homosexuality is a mental disorder. So what they did was they planned a ZAP, which is kind of an outdated term, Z-A-P, a ZAP, um, that they used back then more so than they need to use now, thankfully. A ZAP was... Uh, a humorous non-violent way to protest so we've talked about or we will talk about the pie in the face that Ooh, Anita, you, Bryant. Anita Bryant Anita, received Anita Bryant. that was a zap they showed up at the pie they're like I'm going to humiliate this woman in a non-violent way I'm going to make her look stupid as a way to draw attention to my views and how dangerous she is the lesbian said we're going we gonna to have a zap boo boo <laughs> against the feminist movement um, to call them out. And so what they did was they had t-shirts made and they had a whole bunch of purple t-shirts made. Purple? Purple, as in the lavender scare or lavender menace, I should say. And the t-shirts said, most of them said lavender menace, but they had t-shirts and signs that said women's liberation is a lesbian plot. They had some that said you're going to love the lavender menace. They had a t-shirt and signs that said, take a lesbian to lunch. (laughs) Uh, Some of the t-shirts and signs said, super dykes, love you. Uh, So it was a whole bunch of these lesbian friendly. A whole bunch. A whole bunch of uh, signs that were supportive of lesbians and kind of like in a humorous way saying, I'm going to call you out. Booga you know,
0: you know all those shirts, I mean, for the lesbians, I mean, they have a reputation for not being as humorous as the gays, and they definitely... Well, what I
1: think you're asking is, were they flannels? No, they weren't.
0: <laughs> they were Rude. t-shirts, and they were funny. Okay. They probably weren't wearing they were any bras. fashionable
2: purple <laughs> at the time. Lavender. So, the opening meeting of the
1: weekend, and this was like a a meeting organized by the National Organization for Women... Uh, it was supposed to be a week, weekend-long of workshops and speeches for feminists. Feminists getting together. And the lesbians are like, well, you ain't including us, boo head." And it took place at 7 p.m. There were about 300 attendees. And the lesbians showed up. They weren't allowed to speak. They had intentionally gotten rid of any lesbian speakers. And just as the first speaker came to the microphone... Two lesbians switched off all the lights, made a pitch black, and pulled the plug on the microphone. Now the night before they had gone in and cased the joint and they knew exactly where oh. the light switches were and they knew how to unplug the microphone. This was all planned. This was not how like uh, you know. Yeah. These were smart little lesbians. Are they smart? So the it's the dark now because they turned out the lights and the microphone. And Lesbians ran through the aisle. You could hear them giggling. One of them said later. You can hear them giggling. And some of them were doing the rebel yell, which was interesting to me. You know, the rebel yell was literal Confederate soldiers trying to intimidate Union soldiers by doing the... I'm trying to think of what it actually was. (laughs) Like this horrific... Rebel yell that happened during the Civil War yeah. that was supposed to horrify uh, Union soldiers. So the fact that these lesbians were doing that was kind of like it's a very white centric lesbian, yeah. which was the argument at the time. This is a even in protesting the straight feminist, it's white lesbians that are protesting them. You know, right. Yeah. 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 You yeah. take your advancement where you can get it, and you build upon it. I get it. But the fact that they were doing the rebel yell through the aisles—it's kind of like mm, that tells me something about the lesbians that are doing this. But anywho, well, so, I mean
0: the context, though, right? I mean, black lesbians probably didn't feel com confident enough to have a voice to to do Within the movement. It wasn't their movement. I mean, the African Americans as a whole were just trying to find their footing after After civil rights. Well, the organized, so much of the argument was,
1: the organized feminist movement was a white middle class woman, straight woman's movement. Yeah. So when we talk about the women's movement, it's a privileged Movement yeah. of white people that want to be
2: accepted in white straight society. Because, I mean, also, like, let's face it, in 1970 or whatever, black people, they, I mean, they had just come through civil rights. They were just fighting for, like, equal jobs, you know, equal housing and things like that. It's like sexuality is the second thing on my list, right? Like,
1: well, for a black feminist at that time, it's like, let me get any kind of rights that you... Yeah, exactly. Let me settle first.
0: into, like,
2: getting equal housing and jobs or whatever. Yeah. I don't yeah.
0: even know if it was that, though. I mean, I'm thinking... I'm putting myself... Like, you're, you're probably popping around to wherever you can get some footing. Like, yeah, if the exactly. lesbians are going to speak up for me, then great. Or if the African-American right civil rights movement is going to... Like, I will... But, I mean, it's hard to be, like, the dominant, like, lesbian, a black
2: lesbian... But I do to feel, be, too, one thing, too... Intersectionality, huh? Um... A lot of, like, the gay rights movement in the, you know, like, late 60s, early 70s, it was in a handful of big cities, right? And so it's not like, um, and a lot of those were probably predominantly white, or the people that, like, had time and capacity to be fighting for these are affluent white people. Right, because it, yeah. it just
0: feel like to be, like, not until 1969 did the, did the LGBT movement Feel like they had some strength, right. some Organization, you know, wind you know, at their yeah. backs, right? And so, and and at about the same time, I mean, African Americans. So there it was, it would have been hard pressed, even if there was a a person, an African American lesbian woman, who was like, yeah, I'm going to.
2: You know, be the left, like, who's with yeah. you? Like, there's no one else. I mean, and I mean, it was like, the 60s and 70s. So, like, within the gay community, they didn't want anybody different, himself, anyways. Yeah, because so, you're, you're feeling like, I don't have a voice. Like, who's gonna yeah, listen to me? Yeah, so, like, and so, and like, you know, the people and the power of these organizations, like, the gay rights movement was largely white, affluent gay males, and so that's why the women or lesbians had to have their own movement. Well, and this this is why
1: the lesbians never felt comfortable, never felt represented in the Gay Liberation Front. They felt like it was a gay men-centric, patriarchal thing. So they went to national organization for women, and now was like, oh no, we don't want you here. You're going to water gonna down make our us movement. Look bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's a lesbians being like, it, it's so, oh what what no. The fuck? Like, yeah. Where,
2: it's, where do we fit it's in? It's co- yeah. so
0: complicated though. Cause as a woman, like you're not earning the same potential as a man. Right. Right. right? So you can be a gay man. And if you're not overly flamboyant and can pass a straight, you're going to make some money in your career. So when you're on the gay liberation front, you've got the money. So therefore you have the influence. Same thing with women. Like if you're not a, you know, an, an obviously butch lesbian, yeah. uh, then you can probably do okay to a certain extent until you hit that glass ceiling in your company if you're earning a living. So, again, if you have money, you have influence. Yeah. And so, you ha- it's very, com- uh, like, yeah. <laughs> I get why the rich, the poor people are like, i Well, okay. and I would say so I know why like, they come in for the Ellen. One thing
2: we've talked about previously, too. Some people that are like very wealthy are like, my world's good enough. I don't need to fight for the masses on gay rights or lesbian rights or whatever because my world's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, go ahead.
1: Well, so they've turned out the lights. People are running through the aisles either laughing or doing the rebel yell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the lights come on, and there are 17 lesbians in the aisles with signs and these lavender T-shirts that say lavender menace. Um, there was a lesbian planted right in the middle of the group, who sat there acting like she didn't know what was going on. And she stood up and said, yes, yes, sisters of I'm, ty- I'm tired of being in the closet because of the women's movement. And then she ripped open her button down shirt. Of course it was a button down, uh, <laughs> to reveal a lavender menace t-shirt. So at the time people were like, Oh my God, this lesbian is ripping her shirt off in yeah. front of all these other women. But it revealed this purple lavender yeah. menace t-shirt. And then a second leader who happened to be Rita Mae Brown, who was the fired uh, newsletter of the now Now. newsletter, said, who wants to join us? And then she had a T-shirt on that said Lavender Menace and she ripped it off and people were like, oh, my gosh, she's ripping her T-shirt off her, her titties and then underneath that t-shirt was another lavender minute. She had a ruvial. So they <laughs> were kind of she had a ruviel. Oh, okay. So they l- were l- kind l- of using yeah. humor and yeah. and cheeky behavior to make people think and to use that kind of fear factor. But she just had another t-shirt under another t-shirt. Boom.
0: Well, that's a true. That's and a for a lesbian, I guess that's a Luvial instead of a Rubio. because they're lesbian. Yeah. No? I don't know, but
1: I know they were being lippy. Is that bad?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so the lesbians stormed the stage, took over the mic, and the organizers uh, tried to take back the microphone and try to like take back their feminist movement. But a lot of people in the audience were like no. booing and saying no. Oh, let okay. the lesbians talk. And part of the reason was is because people in the audience, but not on the stage, were minority, whether they be Hispanic or black, Asian feminists that were like, we're not included in your movement either. I understand what these lesbians are saying. They're saying that your idea of what the feminist movement should be is very white centric. So to their credit, the national organization for women organizers said, okay, well, we'll have workshops. Will you put on workshops the next two days? It was very in the moment, real time um, about, Homophobia and what it is to be a lesbian, and they did. Okay, nice. So they had pretty much a weekend where there were workshops saying, "This is what it's like to be a lesbian," and kind of teaching the feminist movement that it's not just about white straight women. Yeah. So, these lesbians that felt very like accomplished created a new group of this group of lesbians that put on this movement called the radical lesbians one word (laughs) uh all one word radical lesbians and the next uh now congress that met in 1971 they adopted a resolution recognizing lesbian rights as a quote legitimate concern for feminism unquote um however thomas (laughs) the radical lesbians disbanded within a year because they Excluded any heterosexuals, and they did not allow any bisexuality because they said it would hurt their movement. Yeah, it's so so
2: crazy how like every movement is like, well, nobody's including us, but it's like you're just yearning for
1: a movement to say anybody's welcome that agrees with us.
2: Yeah, which is really what it should be, and it's yeah. But is that what you? No, but I feel like every segment is like, well, we have to narrow it down to like. You know our little. We're only going to fight for these people, and anyone else we have to exclude cause it's right. going to set us back. So, but as much as I disagree with that, what they did
1: was, you can disagree with the feminist movement for how they treated lesbians, but they advanced the balls for lesbians. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Wait, that sounds like a pun. Advanced or uh,
0: it was a pun.
1: Uh, <laughs> oxymoron. Advanced the balls, but. Feminists made it easier for lesbians to yeah. make their case. Yep. Lesbians made it easier yeah. for the bisexual and transsexual. But even right now in the in the feminist movement, there's a new term and I've talked about it a few episodes ago, turf, trans exclusionary radical. Is that feminist. when they're, yeah.
0: they're tightly shaved to TERF? That they uh
1: called Hillary Clinton meaning like you're a feminist, but you're a feminist only for Yeah biologically born right exactly yeah
3: no
2: matter what race yeah
1: so there's always a struggle
2: yeah and jk rowling faced backlash about this right because she but then she said jk guys
0: Uh, jk (laughs) let's hear a word from our sponsors That's right. We'd like to thank our sponsor, EconomyWorks. EconomyWorks believes in the power of connection. If you're a company that needs project support to tackle your to-do list, like benchmarking, analysis, meeting facilitation, EconomyWorks wants to connect you with its talent network. The Talent Network has over 800 years of experience and growing in HR, marketing, IT, accounting, and other specialties. Economy works. When we work, the economy works. Find out more at economyworks.com. E-C-O-N-O-M-I-W-O-R-K-S dot com. The other day, the uh, Spoopy guys were reading all the promo ads in a very sexual way. They're like, if you'd like, Whoa. economy works. Economy works. I'm like, hey, guys. Well, we, that's because we,
1: they're sexually deprived. We
0: are not selling that. And I I can guarantee you Spencer is not.
2: What? Oh, selling or deprived? So is he talking about Chris or what? what? <laughs> Anyways. Chris ain't either. He's living up this quarantine.
1: Sore subject, but not sore because of. L- Rosebud, L- Rosebud, L- 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 usage. lubricant,
0: lubricant. <laughs> it's not sorry because of lubricant. Oh, no, got.
2: All right. How about you, Tony? What you got for us? Uh, okay, so today I'm going to talk about Lord uh, John Brown and oh Lord, oh Lord, Lord John Brown. Um, he, uh, Lord John Brown was really known as being the CEO of uh, BP or British Petroleum. Uh, beyond petroleum is beyond what petroleum. Were. Late '90s, early '2000s. Um, and what we're going to talk about today, the reason I wanted to, uh, talk about him today is, I mean, he was basically, he resigned from his position because he was gay, but, um, there's a lot of parallels that I really, you know, feel with him. And so, um,
0: are we going to get emotional in this episode? Uh,
2: not really, but we're going to kind of build on some of the stuff you talked about with Jason Collins. Um, and uh, not really emotional, but like I really like a lot of his background mirrors mine, and so um, that's why I like I wanted to. Oh my gosh, you're gonna today. be the next you CEO do have of DP. A beautiful background, god, no. Um,
0: he's gonna be the next CEO of so, DP.
2: Oh god, double pin. <laughs> you well, should I'd like to be the CEO of DP. Ah,
1: it's been a long quarantine. You should probably shave your background. <laughs>
2: I have? Why do you think it gets <laughs> <laughs> oh, so much action? That's a out. So, uh, no Lord John that. Brown, continuing on with the topic. Um, yes,
0: please get us on. get us on topic. Uh,
2: so his, so he he naturally he's British. Um, his father he was in the um, British Army, but he ended up working for BP. His mom she was Jewish, and a lot of his mom's family actually uh, got murdered in the Holocaust, which will you know kind of it's an important factor later. Um, but he went to Cambridge, he got his MBA at Stanford and, um, he started working for BP when he was in college and he continued his career there. So he kind of like spent his early years working through the ranks. And when he was 35, he initially, he was like, uh, you know, a technical person. Um, when he was 35, he joined the executive ranks, which, that's kind of important because, like, as Thomas and I know, um, working in oil and gas, to be part of the executive ranks when you're 35, it's pretty rare, right? Especially in the 70s, you know, 80s. But here's
0: the thing. You're not going to be CEO of a company if you're not in that, in an executive uh, by like age 35. Right. But
2: the thing is, like, I mean, to be an executive of BP at in your 30s, um, it's pretty rare. You have to be exceptional, right? You have to be smart work with people through people. Hey, I don't want the job.
0: What, what I would say is if you make that you're on to be, if you I mean there are, if you're doing it right by any company, right? If right. you want someone to be either your CEO or in that, that leadership, like reporting to the CEO, they need to be an executive right. by the time they're 35 but to your point you have to be exceptional not everybody's going to yeah, be ceo yeah. i don't 99 care how 99% yeah. of the company isn't doing that right exactly right. yeah yeah It's a small sliver but yes. not, only one person because, i mean if you have a company of 80,000 people only one person gets to be the ceo so right
2: and so you have to be super exceptional right. to be yeah
0: yeah and for one for every one ceo you have to have Ten people
2: in line to do that. So my point is that, right. like, oh my God, yeah, yeah. Slut. I'm getting very much yeah. like
0: into succession planning of HR. By the way, this is a podcast, which, no, which for,
2: comes into my comes into play later. So he joined I'm the executive ranks uh, when he was 35, and he was, you know, CFO of a certain subsidiary, CEO of a certain subsidiary, whatever.
0: By the way, now I'm nerding out. Was he an engineer?
2: He was a physicist. Okay, yeah. So he was a technical person his whole guy. career. Say it again. Yeah. Physicist. Let's
3: yep. get
0: physicists. Um, Phys- z- 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 so it
1: sounded like you're a a, a fly
0: Why that. is he calling all of us out on our slurs? So I mean we don't call him out on his racial um, slurs.
1: Maybe yes. I don't slur it up. I'm slurp all day. I'll slurp, slurp, slurp. Tony is trying to finish this I conversation. Was
2: <laughs> slurring. Physicist, thank you. Slurp. Um so he had continued through the executive ranks and by the time he was in his mid forties he had become uh, well, when he was in his early 40s, he was CEO of BP Exploration, which is, you know, I that, mean... The that's, nuts, a, that's a booty beauty.
1: penetration. we
2: all been there. It's like, you know, the drilling and production of oil yeah, and we gas, drilled which it. is the money. Yep. And so he was... Especially uh,
0: in what, what year? Sorry. What year was that?
2: So that was 89. Oh, okay. yeah. So in the 90s, he became CEO of the whole global corporation, which... That's when the British government said we're completely releasing ourselves of BP. It's going to be a you know uh, independent, yeah, company, independent company. Um, so to get to this point, obviously he had to be very smart, but he had to be you know uh, politically savvy, be able to work with people, through people, things like that. Oh, we've all. Pretty exceptional individual. Um, When he became the CEO of BP, BP was very troubled. And that's why the British government was like, we're washing our hands of this company. And he was really, um, you know, credited with turning it around. He made it a behemoth, he made it uh, a rival of ExxonMobil and Shell. He was the first oil and gas CEO to really identify 100 years from now. Everything's not going to be oil, so we need to start looking at alternatives. Beyond
0: petroleum. Yes,
2: beyond petroleum. Um, and he was actually uh, credited with being Britain's most uh, successful businessman because he was able to turn this around. And so very successful career um, being CEO of BP, and that's pretty much what he was known for. Throughout all this, he was very successful. You know, he was like, uh, received many awards from the business community, academic community. Um, you know, he uh, testified before like United States and uh, European and UK Congress. Um, mm. He was knighted by Queen Elizabeth. He was um, served on many boards, like, you know, businesses, academia, whatever. Um, and the whole time, He was gay and he was closeted and he actually was, you know, pretty much resigned from BP being CEO because he was gay. And so, um,
0: but if we could pause and just put that in perspective, right. To be and like oil and gas is known as the boys club, right? I mean, maybe you think about that in terms of like the automotive industry, but oil and gas is the, like you think about rough and tumble. I mean, in the U S context, you think about Texans, I mean, it's a straight man's world. Yeah. And so to be a a Brit and
2: uh, gay, like. Yeah. I mean, that's a like. Yeah. I mean, I'm to put this in factor, perspective, maybe. So. The oil industry is known for being like very, you know, machismo, white male, uh, sexist, ageist in 2013, 14. One of my old bosses, he was like, we need somebody. You're the person I want. And I had went through all these interviews, didn't hear back, and I was like, hey, what's up? And he's like, well, it's between you and one other person.
1: The other person is dead.
2: You don't really have enough gray hair. And I was like, okay, obviously they want somebody more experienced. So the person they ended up hiring had less experience in oil and gas than I did, way less experience doing this specific job. And so when they hired him, I was like, Hey, like, I thought you wanted somebody more experienced. He goes, no, literally, gray hair. You didn't look old enough, and you didn't have enough gray hair. I, and this was like, oh, I heard a the same years thing years ago. I heard one, I, heard, I had one and client. when we, tell we her, were dating, and you were talking about,
1: they're always talking about old, but you're not gray hair. What was the no? The term? I, told, I
0: heard one guy like he told me like, but you thought was the it was a hair? white
1: term. And are we, we used to argue. It, it, I mean, no, like,
0: I do think it is a old, they look because. Old gray hair. Yeah. They call them. When you look at it, when you're, if you're a 40 year old man in oil and gas, 10 years ago, you're not thinking about gray haired Hispanic Thomas. You're thinking about the old gray white man, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what you're thinking about. I get it. Those are the guys who are going to, no, like, that's your is, frame of reference because yeah. you don't have black men so much black women. It's one of those
1: uh, residual things, so. What they were saying was, "You don't look old enough
3: to you don't, do this." No, no, However,
1: no. no, listen. But by old enough insinuates like you haven't allowed me to be old enough in this position. No, no. To Here, here's manage. the here's what I took away. I thought the, I
0: had it. The, the thought was my my perception of us. You don't look like my ideal of the person who has experience to do this, which is this old white man it. to yeah. go do that. And which is not. It. And not sometimes that, it was
1: like, just literal, like you're not old enough. But
0: yeah, but but it's old enough because, like, I want to see someone like you remember my old boss. Uh, uh, they wanted to see You met him and his wife, Patty. Remember Greg who he couldn't hear, white, gray hair, old white man. And they're like, yeah. uh, that's who they wanted to see because yeah. they're like, I trust that old white man. Yeah, and the thing poor. is, in if the Patty, oil and gas industry,
2: if you're 60 and you've been in this industry for 40 years and you're lazy and you're like, this is the way I've done it for 20 years. You get all the accolades, you get all the vacation, the pay. If you're, like, 35 and you're, like, innovative and hardworking, nothing. nothing. It doesn't matter. Trust me. Yes,
0: That's why we're here. Yes. (laughs) That's why I'm here. Yes.
2: And, yeah, so we could go on and on. But this is the nature of the industry. So, um, Lord Brown was actually pretty much forced to resign because he was gay. And it was actually this week in 2007, May 1st. Um, So his background on what happened is so, you know, his mom so he was closeted for 50 years and he was severely closeted. He could not come out uh, you know, he just this felt is like... around what
1: year-ish?
2: So he was born in uh, 48. He was uh, started with BP in the 60s. So 60s through the 80s. He became a CEO in the 90s uh, through 2007. So even as late as that, he was, um, you know, just felt he could never come out. Um, so his mom was Jewish, and a lot of her family died, was murdered in the Holocaust. And so and he was very, like, proper English, and so his thing was, gay is bad. And as my mother's family taught me, if you're bad, you can die for it, and it has dire consequences. So he was like... Petrified. He was never going to come out. Um, so growing up, he, you know, could never come out, whatever. Um, when he started working for BP, he uh, when he started working for BP, he was in this machismo industry where, you know, he was working in the field. And of course, like you're not going to come out working for BP in the field like right. yeah because i mean
0: to the point it's like a very much yeah. like exactly it's roughnecks it's it's it when you're roughneck when you're talking about being a roughneck And the oil patches yeah. it is not a yeah. Uh, um to use a exaggerative term a limp-wristed person I mean yeah. it's it's Ooh. the it's the I I mean exactly. and that's a stereotype but it, it is the
2: this rough and scruffy yeah. I mean wolf, and for me like um you know I worked on the rigs for 4 years and it like I can't even imagine um, uh you know being out it's like you know your day-to-day life would really suck it would be horrible and so um so, his mom was Jew... Um, yeah. so, so, his mom was Jewish, you know, like, a lot of her family died in the Holocaust. He started working for BP, which is very machismo. Um, and he always thought, well, maybe the more I'm successful, the more it's going to be easier to come out, whatever. But that never happened. And so, the more he was successful, um, the harder it was. And so... His solution was, if I'm an overachiever and all I do is work, nobody will ever ask me about my personal life because they're like, well, all he does is work. Jason Collins. Yeah. Right. Well, and actually, like, the reason I wanted to talk about this was this, I really self-identify with him a lot because, you know, I feel like early on in my career, all I did was work, and that was my priority, and I sacrificed, like, my personal life, including friendships because of it, but... um my thing was i was very poor and i was petrified of not having a paycheck because i grew up so poor um and so uh his thing was all i'm ever going to talk about is work politics news um if all i do is work nobody's ever going to ask me about my personal life whatever um and He did this his whole career Until he was in his 50s And then, you know, his parents died And he ended up pretty lonely You know, Uh, because he had nobody All he did was work, all of his life, whatever So he actually um, Joined like an online Escort service And uh, he he met a guy So he met a guy Who was an escort And they ended up getting together They were boyfriends for three years Wait a
0: minute They were boyfriends. Like, how does that work? I mean...
2: So, you know, reading between the lines, I don't know that he had a lot of sexual experience before this, but I feel he didn't even feel comfortable having sex, or if he did, it was, like, kind of a very, you know, one-off experience. So after his parents died, he... um, But, I mean... He was in his 50s. When
0: you say boyfriend with an escort, like, that just seems like... I mean, Anna Anna Nicole Smith was a... Not so escort, he
2: uh, met a guy through an escort service. They became boyfriends. They were together for three years. Um, and uh, after they had broken up, um, he agreed to pay this guy's living expenses for nine months. So he said I'll pay everything for nine months.
0: That's pretty much what I did to Kendall when I uh started dating him. Oh, I'm, kidding. I'm just kidding. He's giving me I didn't pay for anything for you, don't worry about it. I, that's not what I'm saying.
1: Oh sweetie, you did. <laughs> did <laughs> dragged that out for uh nine, nine years. years. I paid you. for a lot of shit. Who's the fool now? <laughs> it's me. So
2: after nine months of this arrangement, um his boyfriend played. Don't play basically said, I need more money, and Lord Brown said, No Like i told you nine months was what i would pay you and uh so he sold his the story to a uk tabloid Mm. so in january of 2007 this uk tabloid called uh john brown and said hey we're gonna release this story so as you know in 2006 john brown said i'm gonna retire in 2008 which gives a two-year transition period very common with a behemoth oil company, like we need somebody to transition for two years, whatever. Um, so he agreed to retire in 2008. He had been CEO for like 13 years, whatever. Um, and uh, when this happened, he was like, holy shit. So he called his lawyers, and they said, let's get an injunction, try to stop this thing. He told BP, I need to re- – retire like immediately. And they said what the fuck's going on? And he said I can't talk about it. It's in the courts but um, I need to retire like right now. And so they said well, so they agreed on uh, July of 2007 he would retire in July of 2007 this was January. So it went through the court system and basically in April of 2007 the court said look, uh, this tabloid can report this article there's no reason you should stop it You can stop it. Um, So he resigned uh, from being CEO of BP. And uh, it was on his own accord to retire. But I do feel in 2007, a gay CEO of an oil company, he would have been forced. And so – but he wanted to, like, like basically resign. And he wanted to come out on his own terms. Like, he was not out – he was – Petrified of being outed, um, and that's why he told BP I need to resign in this year, not like you know 2008, whatever. Um, so that's he so sad. Yeah, so sad. Yeah, and it was because this guy was trying to milk money out of him.
0: You're the one of the most successful people. In yes, the world. and the thing is,
2: he BP like at the time I like it was teetering when he took over and he steered this company to success to where it rivaled BP or uh, Exxon shell yeah I mean in yeah.
0: 2007 oil was doing very well I mean yeah. they're 100, $100 a hundred almost a hundred dollars barrel so he had I yeah mean, he could have done nothing
2: wrong like and I, I mean he was just so successful like I mean BP affected the world economy right and so like he was on CNBC he would like yeah, but he, you could have done I mean
0: to be an oil and gas I don't want to minimize it, but when oil's a hundred, actually at that time it was like over a hundred, almost $140 a barrel. You really can't do like, you can't fuck up that company. Yeah. So the fact that he's like in this position of power rivaling uh, once, like in the down, you know, in the trenches, like in the down trenches of, of the oil and gas sector to make it a competitor against ExxonMobil. And really, when
2: he took over, it was a British company. It was kind of worldwide, but really it was a British-owned company and a British company. Which was what year? About in the 90s? In the 90s. Okay,
1: can we we talk? Can we talk? So much of what we talk about homophobia is we talk about its Western – ideal of what sexuality should be and there's even <laughs> cultures around the world that embraced it was just a matter of fact no one would bat an eye to homosexuality to put a modern day term on onto it and then they had to be taught that that's bad and much of it was colonists that said yeah. Um, the Bible says yada yada yada. The Bible. A lot of it was from England, and I love. I'm an American, both sides of my family. I've traced back to the 1600s oh, from we'll England. No, no, to, no, let me you say used
0: this: to be German.
1: Oh yeah, and well, that was wrong. So both sides of my family are English. Love the English. I think the English sense of humor. I get. I got it.
0: People used to uh, say you were. British
1: uh, shut up <laughs> shut up but <gasps> i'm saying all that to say a lot of homophobia around the world in my opinion started within britain
2: and he was very old english like very stuffy you know um so i think a lot of that played into his why he had to be closeted um and looking back, I mean, I think he, in his mind, he would have had no career if he was not closeted. And he was severely closeted. I mean, I don't—like, I re, like, I mean, he never—like, he still to this day doesn't really talk about his personal life, including the gay aspect. But I don't know that he had a lot of sex throughout all these years. And he was like almost have 60 when— Have any of us? When,
0: have you? Have I?
2: Well, I haven't. You know that. But, you know Tony does all uh, the time. That's
0: all he's doing during court. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I got a revolving door. Tony's not um, going to get COVID. He's going to get hear something it else. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, for him.
0: Yeah, he was in the closet. I mean, he just. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Perfe- so he didn't
2: even come out of the closet till he was like in his 50s. And it was after his parents died. And then all of this happened like almost when he was 60. And he still to this day, like doesn't really talk about it, things like that. <sighs>
0: I don't know. Like uh, again, I, I, will look at you, Kendall. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it was just me. Uh, but I do. I have come to appreciate that our people are on different spectrums of the yeah need yeah. to have sex. Like their sexual, like it. it to me, yeah. if you
1: come out at sixty. Good that was your time. Good well, no,
0: I'm no, not no, going No my point is the fact that he's How a do you kid, wait till right? like, that? Yeah. How do you not have sex? Like that's yeah. like to me that's an instinctual like Well why do you think he wasn't thing.
1: having sex? He was I'm sure he was well, screwing He, lots he was of people. doing
0: something. He I don't doing, know. A, like
2: it just reading not the lines, like it seems know. like he I don't know that he was, but, but anyways, let's not make but assumptions. He was, he was boo. paying for
0: it. I mean, obviously, he was paying for it, so he was getting it somewhere, right? But I just don't. But I, it
2: seems like he didn't really even do the escort thing until that late in life. Like, it, like this was his first boyfriend when he met this guy in 2003. He had only uttered the words "I'm gay" twice in his life. This and is he was in his
0: 50s. This is what's sad. Is like when we deprive, when we make homosexuality.
1: He's British, so he just meant he was happy. <laughs>
0: being a a, an issue right being a a sin you deprive people the right of something that's basic as not the right, but the, you deprive people of uh, an experience that's much like eating. Like sex is a yeah, natural yeah. thing yeah, you we need, need it, to do, yeah. like eating. Whether yeah. I mean, and we don't talk about it in those terms. We don't talk about like a, a natural instinct we have. But we it's talk natural for all health. Don't talk about my butthole like that. <laughs> but we have to have sex, and so the fact that and, and whether and I know people. The, the <laughs> that's what I.
1: That's what you used to tell me when we dated. <laughs> like
0: this is a religious right. We uh, <laughs> <I'll laughs> have. To. I know, we, I know religious people will say like, oh, but yes, that should be what they, but it's not, it's not like that. I yeah. mean, so, I mean, obviously it's not, you can have sex with people outside of the opposite. You can have people sex with the same people of the same sex. And so when you're depriving yourself of that, like, I feel like there's a, yeah. you're creating an uh, unnatural tension. Well, and that's why I feel like, um, unhealthy, rather.
2: you know, so, uh, we'll get into that in a bit because, um, so, After he had come out, after this whole scandal, he was very amazed by the barrage of support he received. So, like, former friends, colleagues, politicians. um, There were a group of business leaders that took out an ad in the Financial Times supporting him. Um, A lot of gay activists supported him. And, you know, they said, thank you for being a gay activist. And he's like, but I'm not a gay activist. And they said... When you were, And he said it was really weird in retrospect because when he was dating this guy, this escort that he had dated for three years, he would bring him to public functions and he goes, It was so weird because I would show up. I never said anything. I didn't introduce him. Nobody asked me who he was. It was just he's there. I'm there. They're there. Nobody asked who he was. I didn't introduce him. And he goes, looking back, how awkward was that? Right? He goes, They knew, I knew, but nobody said anything. It is
0: so weird on a side note, like how these CEOs of these major corporations, like, you don't know anything about their spouses or their families. And these guys, like you said, they're such a major contribution to, and they're men, they're all men, right? Yeah. They're all, it's such a major contribution to the economy. We don't know. Because, I mean, we would joke, like, one, I mean, there are plenty of people that I worked with that knew Rex Tillerson when. I worked for a company that where he was the CEO. Uh, oh God.
1: You just, <laughs> mm, you tried to blame it on me for outing you for all these years. And you know, you like back now, no one, blah, blah. we could
0: never find a, there were no pictures she, of Rinda, right? Uh, his wife. Yeah. And so she's dead. No, she's not dead. But, and she was for the side note, she was a secretary that he met like over time. Like, and I think his second wife, anyways, like no one knew Rinda. She like, had big hair and if she, you, if you look, she had up, big hair. Well, you, the, yeah, only, the first picture I saw of Rinda was when he was getting sworn in as the, C- secretary, the secretary of state, state. Like, he was the CEO of this major corporation and yeah. we never saw Googling, but which is different than like, like Jeff Bezos or Steve. Like I feel like you see those yeah. spouses around. So, I mean...
2: Yeah, because I feel oil and gas is so old school. It's and, just
0: But yeah. these guys aren't like... Unlike a Jeff Bezos, like they go to political events, but like you're you're going to get those oil guys into these head of state events, right? I mean, they're going to be oh, yeah, shaking yeah. hands oh, yeah, with yeah, the presidents and those I'm sorts of things. Especially yeah.
2: British patro- like BP, because it's like... It's kind of like Shell. It's very international where Exxon, I mean, Exxon is international, but BP and Shell, it's in their DNA yeah, to be yeah. in every so, country. What can
1: know. we talk about uh, British people? I love them. I identify with them probably more than Americans because mm-hmm. Americans are gross. Y'all are gross. <laughs> uh, they think they're better than everyone else on earth. Not all of them. This is a stereotype. The stereotype of British people,
2: but
0: you literally think you're a British person, (laughs) right? So what does that say about you? you Uh,
1: Is they think that it's the center of the universe for British people? Um, So that whole sense of like what a man is supposed to be, and we're the greatest, and we are the all the stereotypes of British people is very much alive in the thinking of how you treat a gay man. And also in the U S our own twisted perceptions of how you should treat gay people is a byproduct of that kind of like,
0: Ooh, did someone say bye?
1: Oh, here he is again. Uh, that perception of how you should treat people and treat, um, non-British people and this and that.
2: You know what's also sad about this? So, he was so closeted for so many years, and I think it's like, I don't think you could be this unless it's part of your innate personality to kind of be reserved, but... um, Yeah, that's me. He literally um, cannot... uh, He really can't talk about his feelings to this day, and especially the gay thing, and so... One reporter that interviewed him, she, she said, I've never met anyone in my entire career who gave away less of his self than he did. He just...
1: So she wanted more. She wanted more.
2: But she he's gay. He doesn't want more. He not exactly. want up your um, skirt, girl. Yeah. You know what's also interesting? You know, he said he could, like, and this, I guess, shows yeah. how he was naive in the gay world even in his like he didn't come out till he was in his mid to late 50s um or even i like admit to himself and like start experiencing gay until he was like in his mid to late 50s he said my whole job and life was about mitigating risk right like you don't want a macondo to happen um and he said i never even thought i'm getting together with an escort i'm paying for everything when i dumped him i said i'll pay for everything for nine months he goes never even crossed my mind that he would say give me more money or i'm gonna tell like a tabloid he goes how did i miss that you know so it's kind of crazy that um i feel that you know we all learn you know as we're going through life and so
0: oh that was a real thing that was going through my mind when i was engaging in precarious activities in oil and well i was an oil and gas employee i was like all the risk like Well, this is, I mean, so yeah, I went through several measures to try to mitigate, yeah, but so and and he, he was CEO like, and that's what company. he said. He goes,
2: how did I like after this whole scandal, like had broken. He's like, how did I miss that? My whole career was like, he wouldn't have been CEO BP if he wasn't like managing risk. And like, I mean, we I were I talking about that?
0: this earlier with Kendall and I, when we started dating, it was like, uh, there were measured things that we, w- uh, that I would n- try to instill that we didn't or didn't do and and then it got to a point i was like i i don't want to do that anymore so yeah but because you calculated risks yeah And and i
2: do feel like um this poor guy if you know if you could have been an out person right he wouldn't have been like cornered into like you have to meet somebody on an escort service like if you could be like a ceo of an oil company in the 80s or 90s. You could
0: have met any freaking awesome you, person you wanted. You could have went to, like, yeah. And not, not, not to disparage any escorts, but I'm like, you didn't have to date an escort who was going to, you know. And the reason, the, the, the bad thing about him dating an escort was that escort came mm. and, like, tried to... He exactly and not all escorts are like that they're him, right. like don't yeah. talk
1: about our escort <clears throat> list no no, yeah. no this is what i'm saying is, this is not
0: i'm um, not disparaging escorts no. it's just like don't he, think of he, he rather than have an, an open like lifestyle and try to find someone who's not his ideal mate he ran into the wrong not to say that you yeah. can't run into the wrong type of people like anywhere but anywhere, yeah but yeah yeah he just put himself more at risk i guess yep. so uh, which, I mean, with his resume I mean, he could have There were probably plenty plenty of people who You're wanted talking to our take, escort listeners exactly. like that. To Take advantage of him Tony, do you remember when he came out? Like, you were working oil and gas Yes, and
2: so here's why I wanted to talk about him Because I was 28 when he came out And I was like So it was next year I was kind of on the apex of maybe I was maybe? so struggling with, like, coming out But I was like, I, like 'Cause for me I wanted a career. I had worked my ass off like in junior high, high school, college, You're whatever gonna bank. and early career and I was like, I really wanna like have a good career, but if I come out and I remember at the time I was at a happy hour and I remember this like I was working at Merrill Lynch at the time and the senior banker was look he was giving me these filthy fucking looks and I knew from day one he didn't like me. And I, I remember him, like, mouthing, like, he's a fucking faggot oh, God. To, some, to some other people. And I was like, tell me that guy's gay. I kind of wonder if he is we're because he hated me him. so much. After this, we're going to Facebook sock him. Don't worry. Yeah. And so um, we'll I have a story. I think he's closeted. Yeah. Because. Oh, um, and so anyways, I was like, oh, my God. And so I was just. But at the time, I was also 28. And I was like, oh, my God, like. Should I come out or not? Should I come out or not? And this broke, and it was similar to like when we talked about um, the New Jersey governor. Um, at the time, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like it just added to my struggle of like this can ruin your career, yeah. you know. Um, so, uh, yeah. But anyway, so he wrote a book after this called the um, the Glass Closet. And um basically, he talked about business is homophobic. And if you have a homophobic culture in your business, your employees are so worried about like outing themselves that they cannot bring them full selves to work and your company's missing out. So, um, and he still is pretty reserved, it seems like, but um, he's still very like into the business community and things like that. but um, you know, definitely like, long struggle that he had um you know and i just felt compelled to talk about him because i have so many parallels because we're in the same industry and i understand how he at every step of his life was like i just cannot come out right now i cannot come out right now so yeah no i
0: i remember when he came out i remember because i was working on oil and gas i sent a message to a couple of my friends it was cheeky messages they were working at bp i'm like oh you're uh uh, CEO's gay. And it was, you know, at the time I wasn't out, but it was, it was a, so I figured it was a friendly joke. But it, it, uh, thank you. Uh, but I was kind I was happy to see that because I was like, oh, that's good. It's progress for people that yeah. are out, LGBTQ people, even though I had plenty of excursions of whatever going on before that. But I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it was a, it was a good, it was a good, it was, to me, it was signified good yeah. progress, despite the fact that he, Resigned. Well,
2: yeah, and I would say, you know, um, I do feel he had a reason to be closeted because he wouldn't have made it to where he was if he wasn't closeted. But um, when he came out and all that happened, he did say he was amazed by the outpouring of support from, like, many people. Many people. And, um... uh it just goes to many show... Many people isn't, like,
1: like, small people.
2: A lot of people. Not many people. why mm- mm- not M- uh, and, um, It just goes to show, I think, like, a lot of our own worst demons are in our own minds. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, he honestly thought it would be way worse than it was. But um, that's,
0: a, that's a sad thing about this. And he thing. did say,
2: he goes, like, when I went to various, like, functions after that, there were a lot of people that, like... They gave me like a crooked smile and would walk the other way because they didn't want to. Well, that. that's because they were
1: British from working for Pete P. and they have crooked smiles.
2: Tammy,
0: I mean, talked about this. Like, we waste yep. so much time in the work for Tammy Wallace uh, mm-hmm. Chamber, exactly. Chamber of Commerce. LGBT Chamber of Commerce. Like, yeah. Like, exactly. but we waste so much energy trying to play something like play a game to fit in when it's like we can't be our true selves and if we could just live our true selves at the workplace we would be so yes, much yes thank you engaged. and all jokes aside
1: all drunk jokes aside because i've been drinking while he's been talking you if weren't? you if you live your own life and stop caring about what people think they will respect you more and i know it's the year 2020 and people realize that maybe a little bit more than in the past but That's the absolute truth. Like, be yourself, even if you're gay and out, but you're being a, what you say is a butch out person or, you know, not one of those gays or whatever, be yourself and people respect that. Exactly. And it'll be a positive. That's the difference between being the year 2020 versus being many other years on earth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Long way to go. Side note, ladies, I mean, as we wrap this long episode up, <laughs> uh, we're approaching our you know, year mark. Line, so, yeah. I mean, this is, I feel this is uh, just another, like I was surprised as we have gone through this, like how this would go. These stories continue to amaze me, inspire me, surprise me. So uh, I appreciate you guys bringing these fun stories. I mean, the, talking about the, the lesbians and their struggles in terms of how, you know, in the feminist movement and it, trying to equate their own equality or create their own equality. I mean, um, you know the B P C, one of the most successful companies. You would think he'd like feel like some power. And he like, really made B P what it was, right? Yeah, I mean, you would think yeah. that be inspire some confidence to be like, you know what, I can do this, and I can be out, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna make an example. And he said, no, I'm not gonna do that because he was so scared about the reaction of Petri- society. And he,
2: he seems petrified.
0: And he was in his fifties and sixties. I mean, you think about it from yep. a financial standpoint. The guy had made had already earned millions, so you. But think it for, like, also
2: makes me think like. You know, in his own mind, it was after his parents died that he really, like, met this guy and, like, pursued a relationship with him. And so...
0: An escort, though.
2: Yeah. But your own mind is your worst enemy. And so...
0: But yeah, that's my point. Is like you can make... You can be one of the most powerful CEOs mm-hmm. in the world, make millions of money, millions of dollars...
2: Uh, and but his history and background, be, like, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. That, and to this day, he like still cannot comfortably talk about being gay. It seems like, and so and the guy, didn't, you just can't get outside of your own mind. Sometimes. Yeah, because yeah.
0: of this perception of like what yeah. gay homosexuality means in society, and then to be, you know, we talked about Jason Collins today, like being uh, a, you know, the first in in twenty thirteen, and still there's no one who's done what he's done, like to be an out gay player of a major. Yeah, because sports, sports
2: is so yeah
1: and to me this is not hyperbole if you're 70 60 years old that just came out or about to come out or want to come out or any of that kind of stuff you are a revolutionary to me in yeah. my honestly in my yep. in my mind just like Harvey Milk or any of the people we ever talk about I
2: agree cuz sometimes i look at myself and i'm like how the fuck did i go that many years like Without sex, not living you know, living the gay life How many
1: years and counting?
2: I it mean, was a lot. I mean, I went decades and and, and now and then I'm like, this guy went into his fifties. Yeah, I'm like it's oh, I could never to, fucking like, survive it, I mean, that long.
0: it forget just sex, but then the emotional
2: connection with someone like that's And just the daily like uh, like I mean, I think of you a lot, like Kendall. Said. You were having seizures when mm. you're like couldn't come out of the closet, right? And it's like this guy had to live that life till he was in his 50s. I mean, could you imagine what you would be like if you could not have come out till you were in your 50s? Sexy. <laughs> of course. Woof. But I mean, the emotional turmoil, you know what you faced in that short amount of time. You can't come out till you're 50s. Yes, the that's why turmoil? I
1: judge no one who... I exactly. Have, I am never critical of people's individual coming You come out when you want to or journey. need to. Yeah. If it's you come like, out... it. There was a guy... Uh, I forget who it was. There was an actor that came out at 90-something, if not 100-something years old. I can't remember. Last week, who is a fairly well-known person. Yeah, I don't know. Who came out at 90-something years old. He was like, I just have to get this off my chest because I'm inspired by other people that are doing this, and I don't want to die living a lie. Like make no assumptions. Sometimes you come out at eight and that eight year old probably has a mother for the most part. That's, you know, like very supportive or sometimes they come out at 38, which to some people is old to that 68 year old is really super young. Yeah. I'm 37. So to me, 38 is really old, but (laughs) just kidding. Uh, The point is, come out whenever you need to, but also know that you'll, it might be hard when you do it, but it's perfectly fine and okay.
0: I agree. When you do. Totally agree. All right. Another marathon episode. This is what happens when we have nothing else to do. We just keep
1: happening <laughs> just episodes. sitting around thank drinking you. just drinking juice thanks baby. for listening
0: to our podcast and kicking with us another week again another marathon episode a special thank you to the guy who keeps our sound in check that's spencer from our spooby podcast which is part of the ListenWork Net not listenworks network you can find our spooby podcast at com, and you can find them on facebook twitter and link uh not linkedin no they're not hiring right now. Oh, my God. And you can yeah. find them on Instagram. Grindel? You can also find them with us on every Tuesday, like we talked about earlier, on this our Sassy Hours on Facebook Live. Don't forget to subscribe to us so you can hear future episodes and visit our website at letstalkaboutgaystuff.com. we got some things coming with that. Either way, you can find, if you want to find out about some LGBTQ pioneers from Women's History Month and Black History Month from February and March, check it out. We got some cool stuff there. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Let's Talk About Gay Stuff and on Twitter at Talk Gay Stuff. Leave us a review. Tell us what you think. We love the five star button, you know, click. So do those. Tell oh, them. I
1: have a question to you people outside the U.S. Is a grinder a U.S. thing or y'all? Oh no! It's y'all people
2: over there, y'all. International. Where are
1: you on Grinder? Grinders International. Is it Africa? Australia? I just told you like a week
2: or two ago because of the pandemic. I want to know about Grinder culture. global chat, Tr- so Trust. you can chat I with us. I know, but Trust. I want to know Grinders. what
1: the Grinder culture is oh, in Asia, oh, culture, Africa. Agree, yeah. it's you same. know what I mean. Like, is it the same? It's the same. But it's not <coughs> slutty. I found no, my no, husband. No, no, no. It's the same. I found my future husband. It's yeah. the same.
3: Uh, uh,
0: if you uh, don't want to leave us any uh, feedback in public, you can do it uh, by dropping us a line on on email uh, at letstalkaboutgaystuff at gmail dot com. Um, so with that, another fun episode. We're here. We're queer. Get used to it.